Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast Week 7 Game by Game Review Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardis. It is a great night to be great. It's a great night to talk all things Week 7 with my guy, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, we've laughed, we've cried. Maybe we even had a good time too. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Um, you know, we have all the bye weeks. So like tonight, like we uh, we got to make it even more action packed for each team that we talk through. We have less teams to talk through, but lots of good stuff to get into. And with that, guys, let's get right into it. As always, going through each and every game, Dwayne's got the utilization. I got the sheeshes, and we're just going to discuss what is next. So starting things off, didn't exactly see this one uh, coming, Dwayne. The Browns took down the Colts 39 to 38. Colts did cover us three and a half point dogs. The over cash with ease at 40. And before we get into fantasy players here, just shout out to Miles Garrett. I mean, this guy is an absolute beast among beasts. And I'm not saying we didn't already know that going into this one, but Dwayne, like, did you see him like literally leap over the line and block the field goal? Didn't touch a single guy. And then like yes. two series later, he gets a strip sack and then his, uh, you know, boy recovers it for a touchdown. Like, if you just need to have, the one hand of the best defensive players in the league. Obviously, Aaron Donald, obviously, Michael Parsons, probably Nick Bosa on there as well. You need Miles Garrett on that list as well. Dude, what do you mean we can't talk about fantasy? Miles Garrett, my IDP league, gave me 53.5 uh, points today. <laughs> he went absolutely nuts. Needless to say, like we give uh, quite a few points for sacks and extra points for tax. It's a, it's a, it's a, not just an IDP league, it's an IDP premium league. Like, Ooh. so we try to make the def defensive guys score as much as the offense. Like, if you're not going to do that, why even have an IDP league? Um, so yeah, man, when you get 53 points, like from one of your guys, it's absolutely huge. I think I speak for all of us when I say that we truly enjoy like our bi weekly, you know, updates with your IDP leagues, Dwayne. So keep them coming good on you. <laughs> I'm just and, trying uh, to keep them quarterly. You know, I don't think absolutely. I've been doing bi weekly. Come on, man. <laughs> quarterly. I like it. Well, again, <laughs> shout out to Garrett joins Bryce Huff and Micah Parsons as the only defenders with a 20% plus pressure over pass rush snap rate. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. But okay, Dwayne, enough IDP madness onto this Browns passing game that we were thinking might be able to take a step forward with Deshaun Watson back in the lineup, but we only only saw all of five pass attempts from Watson and Dwayne he did get you know put in the concussion protocol they cleared him from the protocol and there was this big you know thing going on how is Deshaun Watson not playing he's been cleared from the protocol sure it seemed like after the game coach Kevin Stefanski pretty much confirmed this was just more of a health maneuver he is not going to be benching Deshaun Watson anytime soon remember he did come into this game still very iffy pretty much like had to you know test that shoulder out in pregame specifically Stefanski said after the game he kept Watson from returning quote unquote to protect our franchise quarterback and confirm that Watson will be starting next week. So, yeah, Dwayne, as we've seen from the, uh, you know, P.J. Walker before that Dorian Thompson-Robinson experience, hasn't been overly great in this passing game by overly great. I mean, it's been abysmal without Watson under center. Just not good, man, to again go another week without Watson being able to play a 60-minute football game. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like, we just want him to get into his rhythm and he hasn't been able to do that because in this time away with the, you know, shoulder throwing injury, like he hasn't been able to practice. So that's been a big deal. So I'm, I'm ready to, for him to kind of get several games under his belt with this team. I would take one at this point. Um, I felt like, you know, he was just maybe starting to hit a stride. We didn't know for sure, you know, if it was the matchup against Tennessee, um, you know, that really got him going there a few weeks back, or if like he was kind of starting to come into his own or some like mix of both of those things. So we'll have to wait and see, but man, it's just, uh, it's been brutal. It's been brutal for Deshaun Watson managers this year. And he's a guy I know that you and I have a lot just because we knew the upside was there. We knew where there were, there were risks obviously with him, but at his age, like he was one of the guys that, Oh, maybe he could, 
you know, help offset like a Josh Allen, somebody like that. He definitely hasn't been able to do that yet, but hopefully we get him back next week. The big thing here, like um, just quick on utilization, the only thing I have for the Browns, and then like you can hit the rest of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, We've got the running backs. We have a potential high ankle sprain for uh, Jerome Ford. Oh, you saw someone say hi with it. Yeah, yeah, I saw one of the docs say potential high on the mechanism. We don't know for sure, though. It's definitely an ankle. He had 60% of the attempts in the first half. He had an 87% route participation in the first half. And then I know he was, it was like, it was unlocking. Like it was, it was totally all coming his way. I mean, he had the huge play right out of the gate, the second play of the game. And he struggled a little bit, honestly, after that. Like he was just kind of hanging around. I'm like, come on, man. Like you've had eight more (laughs) carries. And I think I still just see the one big run is like all the yardage. But the utilization was definitely there. Um, if you look at what happened after he left the game, so if we look at the fourth quarter, 32% of the snaps went to Kareem Hunt, 27% of the rushing attempts, 25% route participation. Pierre Strong was also involved late. Yeah. Now, remember, Kareem Hunt did come into this game banged up. He was he was basically a, not a game-time decision, but they wanted to really check him out this morning before they played him. So it was kind of a down-to-the-wire type thing. But uh, Strong was out there for 46% of the snaps, 44% of the rushing attempts, 38% uh, route participation. So the moral of the story is I would bet on Kareem Hunt being the lead back most likely if we're without Jerome Ford, but it could be really tight. It could be a lot closer than what people, uh, than what some people might think. It could really be a rotation with him and Pierre strong. So strong's the guy that's going to be out there on most waiver wires wires. We will have to hopefully get a little more information on the injury before we decide like how much fab we would put down. But if it's a multiple week thing, if it is a high ankle sprain, I mean, we're going to have to talk about uh, Pierre strong. I mean, probably talking like a 10 (laughs) to 15% fab guy. Just happy you said ten to fifteen percent. We didn't have to, you know, burn. We don't want to go fifteen all minutes of our <laughs> listeners' uh, time going in with all that because that was my impression with it too. It's not that you know strong and Kareem Hunt won't be you know viable flex options. Maybe they do end up finding a way into the top twenty-four, but not exactly. Again, Dwayne, the oh my gosh, drop everything you're doing and pick this guy up because we're about to see you know twenty-five plus touches on a workhorse role. Should continue to be a committee backfield there in Cleveland. Yeah, Kareem Hunt did look banged up out there, but you know what? Scored two touchdowns while doing his thing. Still rewarding managers that manage to you know stay just you know stay patient throughout that free agency period maybe just maybe Leonard Fournette truthers will get rewarded with something similar sometime soon but yeah last 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 notes I have here Amari Cooper really could have been a bigger day he's gonna be one of the top performers in terms of unrealized air yards on the week also helped set him up for the game winning you know touchdown there at the end where he actually got them down to the one yard line in the first place with his ever great route running ability drawing a defensive hold in the end zone then Don people's jones got a much more questionable penalty in the end zone on a dpi ball that i really thought was out of bounds finally on that drive that again culminated in a kareem hunt touchdown david njoku almost had a one yard touchdown catch it was in his hands got knocked out at the last moment so not really a drop because the defender made a nice play but again when it's in your hands still pretty shishi there final point Dwayne, is that as much as i love the pj walker experience everyone really tough to rationally and objectively say the browns are better with him you know under center because just among the 37 quarterbacks we've seen this season he does rank dead last in pff passing grade and as you can imagine pretty bad in most other advanced metrics as well so guess what watson's not top five not 10 not top 10 either but still want to see what we have in watson hopefully to Dwayne's point just you know four healthy quarters at this point i would take 
On the other side line, Dwayne, we have Gardner Minshew, who we were, uh, you know, poking some fun at there on our questions uh, podcast the other day with Golden Tate, even, uh, you know, saying maybe we'll see Gardner Minshew get into negative points. Well, he did not get into negative points. No, no, no. Over three bills passing. Also, not one, but two rushing touchdowns. For those counting at home, Gardner Minshew had two career rushing touchdowns in 38 games coming into this one. Good example, Dwayne, as much as we like to think we know what's going on with defensive matchups sometimes, uh, sometimes we don't have a freaking clue. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got the, we've got Gardner Minshew coming out and cracking the defense that is the only defense to shut down the 49ers. <laughs> and then you had Jordan Love struggling, you know, against the Broncos defense, which, you know, there's probably some high schools that we, we may have some people in the audience right now that have local high schools that have a stronger defense than the Broncos. Yeah. Um, Love ended up being okay at the end of the day. I think it was 47 passing yards at halftime. <laughs> it was pretty brutal. Not I great. think he, uh, yeah, he didn't quite get to 200, I don't think, today, but uh, he, he improved. I think he got to 180. But anyway, yeah, on with the Colts. Um, the biggest things like I have here, you know, in um, really the Jonathan Taylor stuff. So mm. we've got a, a nice trend going. So week five, he had 16% of the snaps, seven opportunities total, four fantasy points. Then last week, it definitely got a lot better. We saw, or sorry, week six, it got a little better, 43%, uh, 14 opportunities, 12 fantasy points. And then this week, slight improvement on the snap, still not to that running back one level we want, but 49% mm -hmm. up from that 43%, 22 total opportunities though, which he turned into 21 fantasy points. So he did also start the game today. So that was the first time we have seen that. It had been Zach Moss the previous two games. So every game he's like taking this, step we didn't get a big step this weekend though like if this game script had gone differently it might have been another 12 point outing for him he did he did get a little bit ahead of zach moss in this game but still really close between those two guys but it is it is progress he just looks so much better out there, Dwayne. Again, maybe it wasn't just yes. you know, prime, yeah. the best version he of JT we've ever seen, but it was season high marks and yards per carry and yards after contact per carry. And again, just the eye test against what is still very much one of the best defenses in the league. Very, very promising stuff. We have a Josh Downs fairly. truther in here, man. He's blowing up the Josh Downs comments. So I know. Here. Can we get some Josh <laughs> Downs hype going? I was getting there, everyone. I was getting there because we did I'll have, wait for uh, Ian to team me up on the did have one uh, you know, minor sheesh moment in the passing game. Michael Pittman did get you guys that 75 yard house call but my goodness man he had it was it wasn't like a drop or anything Gardner threw it behind him but Pittman being the baller he is almost re almost reached back one-handed and had it brought in for a second as he's running into the end zone but just kept bobbling it ultimately fell out and fell incomplete so wasn't there for Pittman but who it was there for Dwayne was Josh freaking downs five catches buck 25 and a touchdown I hate to you know just be the loser here that has to point this out the touchdown was the result of a pretty bad blown coverage where he just you know, never got carried on the wheel route. Always carry the wheel route, Dwayne. But, uh, you know, hey, it is a situation where with Gardner Minshew now, we've seen them be willing to air the ball out more so than we saw today. Took a lot of sacks and stuff, too. But at the end of the day, and one thing we talked about, you know, coming into this week, it's how much Pittman and Josh Downs have separated themselves from Pierce and anyone else in this passing game for that matter, Dwayne. So Pittman, I think, is someone we've already felt pretty comfortable, you know, sliding into that low-end wide receiver, too. Weekly conversation. Josh Downs, though, are we here? Top 30 weekly in this economy well look man i mean he's had 14 5 16 13 and then today 23.5 fantasy points in a ppr so if you guys have played fantasy very long you know if you get guys in that 15 to 16 range you're borderline wide receiver one well he's been right around that you know um four out of the last five games so i mean yeah i think he's a he's trying to push his way into a wide receiver two conversation we've also talked about how much gardner Minshew loves him 
Um, he was the most targeted uh, guy on the team today, 27% target share. That was ahead of Michael Pittman. So you're, to your point, it has condensed down to two guys. Yeah. It's him and it's Pittman. So I think that's really nice. The running backs get involved a little bit, but there's not another option in the passing game. Alec Pierce is really just kind of out there running. Uh, what did Andrew Erickson used to say? Just getting his steps in. <laughs> he would always crack me up with that analogy. He's out there getting his cardio in, but uh, not a lot of targets going his way. Um, only 36% rostered right now in Yahoo leagues. I was kind of surprised to see that. He was on the Millie Maker team today. I did notice that. I had a Pierce team. was? It, no, 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 not, not Pierce. No, okay. no, no, Downs. About to uh, say how. I had, had, <laughs> had Downs in his. Uh, had downs as a starting wide receiver and he had uh, since it was national tight end day, he had Mark Andrews in his flex. And Ooh. I was like, damn, I should have thought of that. I should have yeah. thought on that. We had all the tight ends go off. I know we'll get to them today. Um, except Cole Komet, who was in one of my lineups and gave me a big fat zero <laughs> anyway. So yeah, Josh downs. I, I do have to think about like, how high am I going to push him in? But I, he's easy wide receiver three conversation oh, yeah. Yeah. right now. But I mean, he's having, now he's having, now he's showing us he can have, you know, a little bit, not a blow up game, but a little bit higher ceiling with this 23.5. And man, Minshew loves him. Would you take Josh Downs or Tank Dell rest of the season? Assuming the whole concussion thing's over, which I think it is. I think right now I would take Josh Downs. And the reason why is I, there's just a little bit of unknown with Tank Dell um, because are they going to let Noah Brown? Tank Dell yeah. moved up the depth chart when Noah Brown got hurt. Well, then Tank Dell missed the last game with concussion and Noah Brown came back off of IR. So even though I think Tank Dell will get more work than Noah Brown, I kind of have this gut feeling that Noah Brown's going to be out there like Ooh. an annoying 20 to 30%. And then we're going to be like, oh, Tank Dell, like 50% <laughs> route participation. I know we don't have to worry about that with yeah. Downs. And he's showing that he's a good player. I think if it was like in a vacuum and I knew both guys were getting equal playing time, I would take Tank Dell. But all things considered, I, uh, I I do lean to Josh Downs. How about you? I think uh, what you just explained with the Noah Brown situation is the wild card here. If we could assume, you know, Noah Brown wasn't going to be involved, then I would take the C.J. Stroud-led oh, yeah. passing offense. Me but too. even to that extent, man, I don't think it'd be that big it's of a close. difference. It's close. I like both guys. Yes. Both, like guys, both guys. Firmly I, I think I think Tank Dell has the higher ceiling if everything yeah. goes his way. I think Josh Downs is going to be a really nice player, and I have less. I, I really know what his role is at this point. We can feel really good about it. Moving right along, we had the Chicago Bears take down the Las Vegas Raiders 30 to 12. Bears were two and a half point underdogs. So they obviously covered, and the overcash at 38 and a half. The T bag era is starting strong, Dwayne W. And you know what? Went out there for 65 friends and family in attendance, threw a touchdown, just, you know, didn't completely mess up the game. Only took one sack, zero interceptions, yada, yada, yada. I have heard, you know, the Bears fans wondering, could this be their version of Brock Purdy? Maybe, Dwayne, I kind of highly doubt it, but who knows? It is at the end of the day, just four quarters of evidence. But just the fact we saw him go out there and pepper DJ Moore with targets is good enough for me, man. 32% target. Target share, Dwayne, and even better news is that Justin Fields is not going to be missing all that much time. Per Ian Rappaport, the thumb dislocation is not as severe as originally thought. Week eight is a possibility, but unlikely going officially with a two to three week timetable. So, Dwayne, again, I remember last year, like you were just, you know, really pitching that when Justin Fields is healthy enough to suit up, we put him in the fantasy lineup every single week because that's how high the upside is there. Yeah. So, we all understand that. But just thoughts on DJ Moore, like doing a pretty damn good job over these last two weeks overcoming the teabag experience yeah i mean looking at more he had the 32 percent target share today he led the team uh, what we're seeing is that this offense is really condensing down to just dj Moore. there's not 
truly a number two. There's a bunch of number threes and fours. I mean, like Komet, he's really like more of a number three. Darnell Mooney's more of a number three and number four. So it's pretty much every week we're getting these really solid target shares for DJ Moore. Like he's obviously a good enough player to go out there and earn those, but they do some nice things with him. They try to get in the ball really quickly. They're doing more than what they were doing early in the season in the season from that capacity. So yeah, I think he's I think he looks good. And to your point, like I think T Bag looks good enough that we can feel okay about okay about starting him. Nine targets, eight receptions. Yeah, we'd like more than the 54 yards. Um, you know, but also we knew DJ Moore was due for a little bit of regression. Like he had like a 70 over a 70% catch rate. His a dot was an all time high for his career. Those passes were coming from Justin Fields, who was like actually completing passes way above his completion rate. So like there was a bunch of wacky things going on for DJ Moore where we knew some regression was going to happen, whether or not it was Justin Fields or whether it was, uh, Tyler throwing him the ball. So I think we're, is it Tyson or Tyler? Now I just call teabag. I don't even have to remember his name anymore because you've got this teabag thing going in my head. I got you, but, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, DJ Moore looks good. I think we like him obviously a little bit more whenever we have fields, but it's, uh, yeah, you're going to start him every week. Still no word I'm seeing right now as I'm looking up that Roshan Johnson has or has not cleared the concussion protocol. He did not even get a limited practice in last week, Dwayne. So, yes, DJ yeah. Moore, we're feeling good about. We'll see if Justin Fields comes back. Otherwise, man, it comes down to this Roshan Johnson situation because if he's not going to be out there, Dwayne, suddenly looking like Deontay Foreman has earned that RB2 treatment. Today scored not once, not twice, but three times. Buck 20 total yards rushing and receiving. He did get banged up here for a little bit. So when we see, you know, the really close snaps between him and Darrington Evans. I think that's at least somewhat injury and probably even blowout induced. But yeah, man, Deontay Foreman, Dwayne, just showing again for the third team now, the Titans and the Panthers, and now the Bears more than capable of making, you know, some pretty nice fancy production out of whatever work you can get mostly on the ground. Yeah, and I did look at this. Even in the first half, though, it was close with Darrington Evans. Like, so uh, okay. in the first half before the injury, 47% of the snaps went to Deonta Foreman, and you had 45% to Darrington Evans. 47% of the rushing attempts, 24% went to Darrington Evans. So, yeah, Foreman really, and again, that does have quarterback rushing in there as well. Like, we'll parse all that out tomorrow mm -hmm. in the utilization report. But uh, Foreman was the lead back. Not quite, like rb1 utilization so like his box score was great like i mean yeah. obviously we're gonna <laughs> we love it whenever we get 33 and a half points or whatever it was today that he get yeah he gave us 33 fantasy points today um so he had a 19 percent of his carries went for 10 plus yards so he was also playing really well it wasn't just you know getting a lot of carries 42 percent route participation overall on the day and an 18 percent target share so he was also active in the passing game that was actually second best on the team so yeah, I think looking at Foreman, if we have another game where Roshan Johnson is out, you are going to treat him like a running back too, which is pretty, it's where we had him ranked this week um, in the fantasy life rankings. But obviously, you know, it's a bye week. So he might be closer to borderline RB2 next week. I do Chargers think he's also next played. Week. That's a winnable matchup. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great yeah, matchup. Indeed. Didn't work out so great for Pacheco today. He saved people with that receiving touchdown. But True. yeah, when we look at um, if Roshan comes back, though, I do think Foreman's played well enough that. He's going to remain involved. I think the other thing we're seeing here is the Bears want to use two backs. Yeah. Like, because Darrington Evans is like, he wasn't even a thing to us. He like, just got back to the squad like two weeks ago. <laughs> and they're playing him. So I think if you're thinking Roshan's going to come in and take over, like any anything really can happen. But I think what this coaching staff has now shown us pretty much every week, they want two backs involved. So that's the way I would play it. 
going into that first week that Roshan's back, and then we can adjust from there. But then, of course, you know, we should be getting – we'll get Khalil Herbert. He went on the IR last week, so we'll get him back in a few weeks as well. I don't know on the Bears is that DJ Moore caught eight of those nine targets for 54 scoreless yards. He almost added a six-yard touchdown. That, again, was a real nice pass from T-Bag. Had it in one hand, just couldn't quite, you know, complete the full act of the catch with some pretty decent covers there. So, again, very encouraging first performance there from the artist known as Badgett. All right, on the Raiders' side of the ball, this was the Brian Hoyer-turned-Aiden O'Connell game because we had Jimmy Garoppolo out with a back injury. Although, in more really quarterback injury good news, Dwayne, like I feel like in the season, where we've had almost no good injury news throughout almost every single quarterback we kind of got an update about this morning shout out jay glazer and ian rapaport specifically did get some good news so jimmy garoppolo presumably will be back by week eight and that is going to be good news for all these pass catchers Dwayne, because i do not want to go through another game of the brian hoyer or at this point aiden o'connell experience i will give hoyer a little bit of slack you know he actually had a beautiful over the shoulder throw to josh jacobs that was originally ruled a nine-yard touchdown unfortunately couldn't quite keep those feet in and then a less beautiful pass to Devonte adams who had a sick route to get open on a fade and then he dropped it man six yard touchdown again wasn't complete bread basket but it hits both of your hands and your Devonte adams that's going to be a drop for me so could have should have would have been that six yard touchdown and you know got peppered early on Dwayne jacoby myers ends up scoring that touchdown later and we just continued to see it really is the Adams and Myers show. And just on the season now, man, excluding week two when Devontae went nuts, when Jacoby was just completely out of the game after getting concussed, it's now Devontae Adams with 63 targets, Jacoby Myers with 56. In terms of just pure PPR points, Dwayne, Jacoby Myers outscoring Devontae Adams by nearly 10 points in their six games together. I'm not saying that we're dropping Devontae Adams out of the top 12. We know how good he is and how great everything is and what his target ceiling is. I mean, 12 today, that's fantastic. He's dealing with different quarterbacks week in and week out. Jacoby Myers, though, man, like we were saying top 30 for Josh Downs and maybe we're saying maybe that was like too low. Top 20 for Jacoby at this point, he keeps doing it. Well, yeah, I've had, I mean, I've had Jacoby Myers in that wide receiver two range. Now, I had to move him down some this week because Hoyer. But, like, when you have Jimmy G out there, I think it is legit. Like, he's earning targets, you know, like a really like a wide receiver one. I mean, um, so I feel very comfortable having him in that wide receiver two conversation. You know, there's quite a few guys like that this year. Jacoby Myers, Michael Pittman. Like, they just earn so many targets every game. It's you know, I, I don't have any sort of argument for, for keeping them out of that wide receiver two range, like the utilization, like, and their talent profiles definitely scream wide receiver two. Um, yeah. Like you mentioned, you know, it's pretty much, you know, just the, the Adams and Myers show, you know, we, I always do the tweets about Puka and Cooper cup. It's like 70%, but like, this is really close. Yeah. These two guys are really close. It was a 36% target share today to, to Devonta Adams and, and a 30% target share to Jacoby Myers. So they're right behind Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua as far as this team. 70% of the targets pretty much every week almost go through these two guys. They have a little bit more of a range on them. Like Puka and Cooper Cup have been at 70% or more like every week um, so far. Um, one other note for me on the Raiders, and that's mm -hmm. it. And it's just Michael Mayer because he's a guy I know we talked about last week. He continued to be the lead tight end in the offense. And we see this happen, guys. Okay. Like, so when these guys take these steps forward, sometimes they take the next step up and then they plateau a little bit and they are in that role before they get another bump up. Or they could just stay where they are. Like, we don't know for sure what the coaching staff is going to do. But 72% of the snaps did go to Michael Mayer. He was obviously staying in the block some, though. 54% route participation. 
Um, only a 30% route participation for Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper was out there for 32% of the snaps. So Hooper's still getting a little bit involved. The bigger thing today was they were keeping Michael Mayer into block more. And so that's what kept his route participation from being closer to what we saw last week, which was 67%. So I think this is still positive for him. Um, a 16% target share. I know that doesn't sound like a ton. It's pretty good when you have two guys like Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams getting what they're getting, and this guy is just a True. rookie. The biggest battle he's going to have is the two guys we just talked about. When they're getting 50 to 70% of the targets, it's hard to envision scenarios where, you know, Mayer's going to sh show up and give you 25% target shares. You're kind of hoping that he can get to 20%, score you a touchdown, but he is a young tight end. He played really good uh, last weekend. I haven't got to, I didn't get to see him much today, Ian. I only just got to look at the data. So we'll have to look at it, but very talented uh, tight end in college too. So I, I still look at him as a, high-end tight end too, or if you just want to call him an upside tight end too, like he's still the kind of guy like I want on my roster. It is kind of tough though, because a lot of times we don't want to carry two tight ends and because he is tougher to start right now. I would, I would like to see him a little more consistently in that, you know, 70, 75% route participation, but he's earning targets. He's doing his part. Easy enough, level one for, you know, the Michael Mayer truth. or just had to beat out Austin Hooper. We've gotten that. We've beaten that, Dwayne. But level two, you know, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers is going to be a little bit tougher to fully crack into that. But moving in the right direction and to your point, certainly is flashing. I mean, going into this one at least, then, you know, two catches for 13 yards isn't going to do that much to down it. But he was number one by like a full two yards in terms of yards per reception this year. So that production has not been empty throughout the year. Last thing here on this game, Dwayne, we did get a complete goose egg from the tight end on the other side of the ball in Cole Komet was that something that was uh you know based on him blocking more or just unfortunate ran his usual number of routes wasn't getting the ball for who uh Cole Komet oh yeah I'm sorry I don't have Cole Komet uh, hang on one second yeah so with Komet yeah the route participation and everything was normal it was like 78 you know 78 percent today so he was out there it was just a zero percent target share on national tight end day maybe Cole Komet's an offensive lineman and not really a tight end. And we don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe that's oh. what's going on here. I don't know. Cons yeah. Conspiracy. <laughs> 20. Yeah. All right, guys, moving right along. We had the Patriots take down the bills 29 to 25 covering obviously a seven and a half point dogs over cash with 41 and a half with this one. Shout out Bill Belichick 300th career regular season. When he now joins John Don Shula and George Hallis as the only coaches to ever do that. Good for you, Billy and good for Mac Jones. Dwayne. I thought by far his best performance of the season, you know, it wasn't completely full of all these deep downfield dimes and stuff like that. But have we, you know, looked at the Patriots pass catchers a couple of times man i don't think this is the offense that should be you know putting them one-on-one -on, -one on islands and just relying on them to win downfield all game long so just a 4.3 yard average target depth but you know what when you go 25 for 30 you only take one sack you don't turn the ball over you can live on that low average target depth because you're keeping those chains moving so 9.1 yards per attempt today his previous high this year was 7.1 completion rate was a full 10 percent higher passer rating was almost 30 plus higher i mean this was really just so promising Dwayne. i guess a good build defense i know they've you know lost a handful of guys in the secondary throughout the year but we just saw the patriots score 29 points they combined for 35 in weeks three through six bro this is their first most points in a game since week six of last season so i know we've been poking a lot of fun about you know oh matt patricia leaves and bill o'brien comes in it's even worse and just mac jones not getting the job done but at least for day at least for today Dwayne, the new england patriots look like an actually capable nfl offense and for that i'm thankful <laughs> i am thankful i don't i'm not buying it quite as much as you like i think they basically 
the bills gave them this and it kind of backfired on them, but like, this is what they wanted the Patriots to do. And the Patriots were like, well, okay, fine. Cause like, this is our offense. We're going to dink and dunk our way down the field. It worked out today. I think the biggest thing for me is Kendrick Bourne is, you know, he's putting up good performances anytime Juju's not on the field. And so we saw that happen again today. He gave us 16.3 fantasy points in a PPR. He had a 23% target share, seven targets, six catches, 63 yards and a TD. I saw someone smart tweet about this before the game. Do you see that? Tweet? Was, <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't know who did you. that. Yeah, right. must have been you. Um, but it it continues on. So I think as long as we don't have Juju, you can feel pretty good about Kendrick Bourne, like in that wide receiver three range. And to be honest, like even when Juju comes back, like they just need to keep Kendrick Bourne doing his thing. Uh, we also had another wide receiver with Juju out uh, that stepped forward, and some people were like, "Oh, Tyquan Thornton." No, it wasn't Tyquan Thornton. It was Demario Douglas had a career. Yeah, he had maybe. a season high seventy. This is a rookie. 76% route participation. He had a 20% target share, a 24% targets per route run. So while Kendrick Bourne really worked mostly close to the line of scrimmage underneath, he was really more the intermediate target today. So he had four receptions, 54 yards. So just a name to kind of keep an eye on here because the, the Patriots are one of these offenses that is still kind of molding. Like it's not, they, they shouldn't be tied to anything at this point because it hasn't been very good. Well, Bourne's <laughs> playing well, and now DeMario Douglas comes out. And Douglas, he was flashing a little bit before last week. He had a concussion. He got kept, a lot of training camp hype too. Yes, and the concussion kept him out last week, so that kind of derailed things a little bit. Um, So he's a guy, if you play in a deeper league, I think DeMario Douglas is one of these guys that you go ahead and grab now um, because the Patriots, it's it's one of these offenses like, Really? Like, are we worried? Do we really think Juju's going to come back and take a role? I mean, maybe, but like, he hasn't been good. Um, Devontae Parker has not really been good. He stays hurt quite often. Tyquan Thornton's really been a disappointment. I know he's, he hasn't had much time to play yet, but he was only out there for 9% of the routes today. They don't like Tyquan Thornton. So I, I think Demario Douglas is a guy that we could look up in a few weeks and be like, oh, wow, like this offense is Kendrick Bourne and Demario Douglas. So just, just a name for you guys that play in the deep leagues. And I think he got saved a little bit today with people probably not catching on to this all that much, Dwayne, because he did at the very end of the game get down the one-yard line, just miss a touchdown. Then they went right back to him the next play. He got open, and Mac just sailed it. Guess what? Same concept, the following play, and Mike Jasicki got to score the game-winning touchdown. So, you know, in another simulation, that probably is Demario Douglas, and we wouldn't have all had to watch Mike Jasicki do another hilariously terrible gritty. And, and look, I, I don't want this to get twisted. I love seeing Mike Jasicki gritty as terribly as he does it. Dwayne, that's got to be like the most embarrassing thing for a defense to watch, though, in the entire league. They're, like, if I was an NFL player, which Lord knows, never close to that, but like as a defense, Jasicki would be the single last guy I would want to score a touchdown against my defense. Yeah, I remember one time I was at this company event and I had to get up and like dance in front of everybody, Ian, like me and my team. <laughs> And, uh, so like this girl helped us, like, uh, her name was Sarah. She was awesome. She helped us choreograph everything. Like she, so we had all of our moves, but so we finally had our moves down, but we basically looked like Mike Gusecki, just a bunch of white dudes <laughs> with no, and she's so what she told us. And you got to tell Mike Gusecki this, she said, rub some stank on it. And we're like, what do you mean? <laughs> rub some stank on it. And she started showing us and we're like, Oh, okay. And so, yeah, we got a round of applause. I don't know Mike Gusecki like, so, but rub some stank on it, man. Cause it's too white. I was at a wedding just a little more than uh, 24 hours ago, Dwayne, cutting up that dance floor. Probably not all that well, but you know what? Enthusiasm uh, gets you through the day sometimes. All right, I think that's enough Patriots. Ramondre Stevenson looked a little explosive out there. Typical, you know, 65-35 split we've come to see between Did you see anything with him, though? Uh, I think it, I haven't had a chance to dig deep into this, but 38% of the rushing attempts today for Mondre. 
um, which was kind of worrisome, 46% for Zeke. I think it probably just came down to the drives that they were, they were rotating. I don't think it was really like intentional. Hey, Zeke's going to take over more of the rushing work and they were still really close anyway, but I didn't know if you noticed anything with that. Nothing specific. I just saw at the end of the game, Stevenson was actually making something out of the checkdowns, which had been a rarity. Two weeks in a row. Week, so. 20% yeah. target share this week. So if the targets are back for Mondre, that's really the biggest thing that we care about in these PPR leagues. That was our kind of one saving thing. We're like, okay, well, we also thought Ramondre Stevenson's young. There's no way he just does a complete face plant and sucks <laughs> suddenly. Uh, so he's playing a little bit better, more efficient. But the biggest thing was, even if the Patriots are terrible, they're going to throw him the ball because they don't have anyone else. And that um, you know, has really come more to fruition over the last two games. So that's a positive. Getting there. We're getting there, fellow Mondre round three, round four drafters. All right. On the Bills side of things, obviously not the performance that you're hoping for from pretty much all parties involved. But you know what? Josh Allen is playing through a bit of a right shoulder injury. And when he gets pressured on 43% of his dropbacks, the highest mark in week seven pre-Sunday night football, that is going to be problematic for everyone involved. So Stefan Diggs did manage to save his day, you know, with a nice little sliding touchdown where he didn't get touched and then create a little yak for himself. Done that a few times this year now, Joanne. I remember the Dolphins play as well, where the guys gave up on it a little bit. So I'm not trying to hate on Diggs' yak ability or anything like that, but you don't usually see those sort of, you know, extra big plays coming out of it, and it's good to see Diggs supplying us fancy managers with some of that this year. So good news there. Gabriel Davis finally didn't score a touchdown. That's life as a boomer bust wide receiver three. We got some of the booms. Now this was a bust. Even James Cook, Dwayne, did start to give us, you know, some pretty good, you know, goodness as well. Not the full two running back committee, we thought, with him and Latavius murray but ty johnson had to get a couple snaps here or there might have just been one or two snaps but what we did see Dwayne, is more evidence that james cook is the lead back in buffalo even if it's not quite to the largest extent that we wish it would be yeah yeah i mean sorry dude i'm looking at your 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 uh this is on me <laughs> i was watching your video it's like throwing me off because your lips aren't matching up with it and i was just like what's oh, no. happening yeah I'll like refresh real quick yeah go ahead. yeah refresh real quick who am i hitting on james cook yeah all right here i go so yeah, with James Cook, um, like today he had 55, 55% of the snaps, 54% of the rushing attempts, um, 8% of those carries went for 10 plus yards. And then he had a 46% route participation, had 11% target share. So really a pretty similar role to what we've seen for Cook over the last several weeks. Um, if you break it down and you just look at the share of the running back touches, it was slightly better than what we've seen. Um, Murray did see an increase. He had 42% of the snaps and he did get a lot of those later in the game. Um, Cook was the guy they were using early. He was the mismatch piece playing against some of the bigger linebackers for the New England Patriots that just can't really hang with him um, in coverage. So was hoping for a bigger target day, got off to a really quick start there. Uh, but later in the game, they were using Murray a little bit more. So Murray ended up with 17% of the attempts, 39% of the routes and a 4% target share. But Cook, I was hoping we would see a bigger role for him in the second week without, uh, you know, Damian Harris, but it was still pretty close between him and Murray. I, I do wonder if like this game, like I, I was kind of thrown off, to be honest, like with why they stopped doing what they were doing with James Cook, because he was a real matchup problem early in the game in the passing game, like his Great. average depth of target today. Yeah, like using him the way like we were really hoping they would. His average depth of target today was a 7.7. .7. Like they were getting him down the field in these mismatch situations. The Patriots, 
believe it or not, they still like to use a lot of man coverage. I, I've heard several like broadcasters say, oh, yeah, they just don't use as much man. They play zone because they're <laughs> they don't have the same defense. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, they hey, don't check, man coverage, Dwayne. Their they man coverage rates are the say. same as last yeah. year. Uh, yeah. So which is kind of surprising. I'm um, considering like some of the players they've lost. Now they're they're getting they, they traded back for J.C. Jackson and they're kind of getting the band back together, I guess. So James Cook, I, I thought yeah, we were about to get a much bigger day. But it ended up just kind of being what we had seen over the last few weeks. It was still fine. 19.2 fantasy points, but it wasn't like he was suddenly in a new role. Imagine, Dwayne, you have one week to prepare for one individual game, and you just can't find the time to, you know, check some man's own rates. Couldn't be us, but, you know, that's not that's not uh, my, uh, you know, issue to really get into. Hopefully my uh, sound is lining up a little bit better. Appreciate you guys letting us know about that in the chat. Yeah, yeah I better. think – Cool. I think that's about everything here. Although, Dwayne, we did have a nice little blow from one Dalton Kincaid, rookie year tight end. Has been a little bit slow out of the gates, but career high marks with eight catches and 75 yards. Although, Dwayne, one might be one of these situations where, yes, we'll take that production. That's awesome, but not exactly a changing of the guard with him and Dawson Knox. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was the best day we've had for Kincaid. The season 15.5 fantasy points in a PPR, but 63% route participation. And that's not, it's not it's not bad. Like you just heard me earlier say, Hey, mayor was the tight end one for his team. And he wasn't even at a 63%. True. But Kincaid's not staying in the block. He's not getting quite the snaps that what we're seeing with mayor. Um, we'd like to see this Ian 75, 80%, but Kincaid was out there for 29 routes today. The way that the game script went, the trailing game script led to even more passing for Buffalo. Buffalo's pass heavy team drop back rate over expectation, no matter what the game script is. Obviously, when you're trailing, that's even better. So that was really the big driver today. Even though that route participation was kind of where it's been, it was still more routes overall because of the way the game played out. But to give Kincaid credit, like he had a 21% target share today, and there's still not a clear number two for the Bills. So like, I still think we have to respect the fact that there's a chance that Kincaid can break out down the stretch. Dawson Knox probably just isn't going away, though. That that's the big challenge. I, so Kincaid's going to need to be able to score fantasy. I don't think he's ever going to get this season to an 80, 85 percent route participation. Probably not happening. But I'll say this, like 70 to 75 percent on this team would be the same as getting 85 percent on a team that likes to run the ball a lot because the bills throw so often. So I think there are still paths for Kincaid. So, Ian, like if you had your choice, Kincaid versus Mayer rest of the way, wh which one are you taking? I'll go Kincaid. I just, yeah, I think the, the, the situation, yeah. yeah, I think the situation is just better. And what we talked about, like you've got Stefan Diggs in front of you in Buffalo, but they throw the ball way more and you don't have a Jacoby Myers plus a Devonte Adams in front of you. And man, like Gabe Davis, whew, like he just, I know he scores some of the touchdowns, but like the, the Patriots, like just eat this dude's lunch. And like, he just, he's really struggles against man coverage, like man coverage, like, Stefan Diggs gets like a 35% targets per route run and Gabe Davis drops to like a 14 or 15%. So it's just a, it's a real struggle when they play these teams that have more man coverage. Now, sometimes it will work out for you against those teams because it just takes one slip and then Allen hits him for the long ball. If he gets any yeah. separation, so he can still come through. You don't want to like overweight any of these things in your analysis, but new England, he scored some touchdowns against them, but Man, his receiving yards, Ian, 33, 30, 15, 0, 39, and then whatever the hell he had today, which wasn't Six. good. <laughs> yeah, so he really struggles against the Patriots. 
final notes. No sheeshes here for Gabe Davis, but my God, the Stefan Diggs game could have been so much bigger. Week high, 187 unrealized air yards. And sometimes these unrealized air yards, you know, can be throwaways or prayer yards, or maybe it was the wide receiver's fault they didn't get it. But guys, Diggs got open deep, double move for a 75-yard touchdown, clean pocket. And Josh Allen just sailed it. He was open, couldn't hit him. It was a sheesh. And then later in the game, though, Diggs did have an unfortunate one on him. It wasn't going to be a situation where they could get a field goal because they were down four points. But Josh Allen pulled out, you know, some of his usual late-game magic just out of his ass. And he finds a way to hit Diggs like 45 yards down the field in his chest. Unfortunately, did suffer what I'm guessing will be an objective drop by, you know, the powers that decide that over at PF and whatnot so again could have been a much bigger day for Stefan Diggs but you're pretty happy you got what you did out of him knowing all that and also our guy Latavius Murray was just short of the end zone on a drive that ended in a Josh Allen rushing score so could have been a bigger day for him as well Moving on to some NFC East action. New York Giants took down the Washington Commanders 14-7. to Tyrod Taylor, Dwayne, getting the Giants to cover as three-point dogs, and the under did cash at 37. But Ty God, man, these last two weeks, Dwayne, I cannot wait to put together a video in the next couple of days of some of the throws he's made because this has not been, you know, lucky or dinking and dunking. Like, Tyrod, when he goes in there, and I, I remember you shouting out uh, – who are you shouting out with this? Uh Oh, one of these freaking quarterbacks that we've seen go around the league. Oh, uh, just Joshua Dobbs. Yeah, we see some backups come in and just like play scared, play not to make the mistake. Like that's not Tyrod Taylor. Like credit to him for going out there and not throwing an interception today and uh, for not fumbling the football either. But just some of the, you know, balls he was able to drop in the bucket to Jalen Hyatt this week, to Darius Slayton and that, you know, great Sunday night effort last week. This has resembled an actual NFL offense, Dwayne, for two straight weeks. I can't believe it. 356 yards in this one, 317 last week those aren't that gaudy of numbers but when you were under 270 in four of the previous five games we'll take it Dwayne Jalen Hyatt Saquon Barkley Darren Waller multiple fancy relevant players in the Giants offense let's go yeah and Barkley looking really good today like he had a great workload but I think the biggest thing here like that's what people expected like once he was back is Waller got off to that rough start but he's really he's starting to get it together you know, over these last few games. So, I mean, if you just look at like what he's been doing from a target standpoint, he, you know, first week one, he had five, then he had seven, seven, three, then he had 11 last weekend. He had seven this weekend. He had eight. So over the last three games, 11, seven, and eight, that's really good for a tight end. I think yeah. he's easily in that mid range, uh, tight end one conversation. We're going to have to stop benching up, benching him on that, uh, one FFFPC team, Ian, where he's, <laughs> cause we have him and Mark Andrews, yeah. but we can flex, uh, Darren Waller. Uh, we probably should have flexed Darren Waller today. I think we, I think we had a, probably that team's going to win, but, uh, it would win by more. I like to win by more. So I think we can trust Darren Waller at this point, 30% target share today on his way to 22.8 points, 81% route participation. He's getting over that number pretty much every week. I think he's in a good spot. Again, I mentioned before, really good quarterback news from more or less around the league. And apparently Daniel Jones was really pushing to play in this one. Just couldn't quite get there. But I know whenever you hear a neck injury, it does seem like something that could potentially go, you know, bad quicker than it does go good. But again, per Jay Glazer, I trust more than pretty much any other, you know, NFL mind out there. Uh, he did seem to think that there was, you know, going to be a good chance for Daniel Jones to be out there in week eight. So we'll see, Dwayne, if that does end up leading to better results. I would like to think so. 
though, I fully realize, you know, a lot of those issues with Jones were offensive line and just overall offensive related. But yeah, man, Giants, even if this was for a few weeks, got to feel good about it. As you said, Saquon, Saquon, we know that. Just good to see him ripping off some of those big plays, getting the windmill going in the end zone again. You know, didn't see his Nettie Lions doing too much of that on Saturday. But, you know, I'm a big man. I'm not going to bring that up too much. Uh, did, it get, did see him get injured early on in the game. And it was scary, man, because he had that left arm dangling. But came yeah. back in, ended up playing 83% of the snaps and looked great. So we got Saquon doing his thing. That's great. Before we move on to Washington, Dwayne, did we get the same Wandale Robinson, Darius Slade, and Jalen Hyatt through wide receiver rotation? Because if we can get that full-time role for Hyatt, man, I'm not saying he's quite like Marvin Mims, but he's got the full-time role we wish Marvin Mims had. So that's not too bad as long as this guy keeps on roasting anyone that lines up across from him. Yeah, it was still the number two today, 67% route participation. And again, all this data is kind of unofficial still. Like we'll have the official stuff up at mm -hmm. uh, 9 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning over on fantasylife.com. You Ooh. guys can go check out all the utilization tools on your own for free. Uh, you don't have to just take it from me, but six, you know, almost 70% today. So he was the number two. You had Darius Slayton at an 81%, which he was 97% last week. So they did rotate a little more, but it was mainly those guys like Sterling Shepard had a 17% Paris Campbell was down there around that range as well. But the primary top two wide receivers were Jalen Hyatt and Darius Slayton. I think things are really trending well for, for Jalen Hyatt. He also had 58% of the air yards today. I don't know how many of those were prayer yards, Ian. Uh, I'm sure some of them, but it is Ty God who has a great deep ball. 32.4 a dot today for Jalen Hyatt. Uh, uh, only two targets is all it took, you know, but, uh, or sorry, no, it wasn't two targets, five targets, sorry, two receptions for 75 yards. And, uh, he also had a, he had really almost came up with a really sweet TD in the Oof. end. So close. It was similar to that DJ Moore one where, again, it was a good ball. Wasn't a drop, but had one hand on a potential 25-yard score. Couldn't quite get that. So, again, probably not even once we get, hopefully, a better version of Daniel Jones. Are we going to see any of these wide receivers emerge as more than kind of a flex that you still don't feel great about? But at least we're down to three, Dwayne. I mean, the fact that this was continuing to look like just the most homeless man's version of, like, a Chiefs offense rotating six wide receivers out there just with no scoring upside for anyone involved. Luckily, those days are at least a little bit in the rear view i just mirror. like that they're trying something different because yep. the offense was not working they're getting some of these other guys involved they're they're taking other guys off the field so i mean if you're playing in a deep league i do like hyatt i mean he's a third round pick lance zierlein had him graded as a first round pick like that guy's a really good film analyst yeah um a lot of other scouts had him graded as a round two pick based on his speed alone the other nice thing that we're seeing with hyatt is he's not having to line up in the slot all the time. That was the big concern about him. Like today, he only played 9% of his uh, routes from the slot, still came out and earned five targets. I think that's a positive thing for him. And if there's anybody that can help really like add a new dynamic to this yeah. offense for the Giants, it is Hyatt. Like if he can come on and play well, that opens everything up for the rest of the offense. So I think they're going to continue to try to get him out there. I mean, also like they're losing. So it's, I mean, I know they won today, but like mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're struggling as a team. So I don't see any reason that they just would stop using Jalen Hyatt like this. And I think that he's a guy that if you're playing in a deeper league, I look at him as like a stash wide receiver six with upside where we could be suddenly saying, Hey, this guy belongs in the boom bus wide receiver four convo. Yeah. Like anything beyond that, I think is kind of gravy. But that's something you can use. Like we've got more bye next week. Obviously, I know you you love to talk about how the NFL schedules their bye weeks, but <laughs> you might want to save everybody with that. But next week we don't have to worry about it. But after that, like we're back into bye week season. So Jalen Hyatt is a guy that I do like. 
Dwayne and I co-manage about 10 teams together, and I did throw a couple, you know, little bids on Hyatt last week, Dwayne, feeling like I didn't completely waste our fab with those, so feeling good there. And yeah, man, when he's been winning, like, he has been winning one-on-one. I am faster and better than you. Really nothing fluky about it so far, so really fun stuff to see from Hyatt. He is the one, Ian, that probably Ty got is the better match for him. Think so too. And then Daniel Jones. We, we've seen it this year. Tyrod, uh, 8.1 average target depth. Daniel Jones is 6.4. Like yeah. Ty- Tyrod already has better long ball statistics than Daniel Jones, even in his limited time. I think the O line has been playing better. I think having Hyatt in a more full time role has helped Tyrod. Again, I am not trying to make this a slander Daniel Jones hour, more so just a hat tip to Tyrod and everything he's been able to do in the last two weeks. Over on Washington, yeah, you know, Sam Howell took six more freaking sacks, Dwayne. We are still on pace for 97 on the season. This is your weekly reminder at 2002. David up Carr one, has it? that record at 76. What do you say? So that's up one from last week, isn't it? Yeah, isn't we're, we're moving up. <laughs> moving up in the world. Six sacks. You know, I know you don't want my IDP update, but I just look every week to see if there's <laughs> any defensive linemen that play at least 50% of their snaps that are playing against Sam Howell. And I did it today with Leonard Williams, who had, I think he has like one sack in the last, I don't know how many sacks this guy even has in the last two years. Not many, <laughs> but he came up with one today against uh, against Sam Howell. And the thing with Sam Howell, like, because I remember in week one kind of talking about him holding the ball a little too long. And some Washington fans who'd watch every single snap were like, yeah, well, he's running around a bit more. And, like, they're not all on him. And I agree. When, you t- when you're on pace to take 97 sacks, guess what? They're not all on Sam Howell. But the majority of them are. And that's the problem here, Dwayne. Because yeah. we can look at quarterbacks all under pressure and see who is, you know, taking the most sacks when they are under pressure. And it is, you know, Sam Howell by far. 34% of his pressures have turned to sacks. Daniel Jones is at 31 percent ryan Tannehill is at 27 percent those are the only guys above 25 percent like patrick mahomes is the best in the league at this he's all the way down there at seven percent so it is a big problem Dwayne. and while we don't lose fantasy points for it we do see drives killed because of it and accordingly we don't get to hold the ball as long so just again i'm not completely out on sam howard this passing game the rest of the way we've seen some good days from him and even how himself like the mixtape he's put together of just some big time throws which he had several more today specifically down the the sideline to Terry McLaurin and lest we forget he was not the reason they you know ended up not having a better chance to win this game John Dotson sadly another ill-timed drop wouldn't have been a touchdown but would have you know converted that fourth and five there at the end just another example Dwayne that as much as we do like some pieces in this Washington offense there still is a low floor here yeah there is I think Terry McLaurin's putting something together a little bit here so week three 21 percent target share week four 26 percent target share uh, week five, a blip, 11%. And then in week six, he had a 55% target share, which was insane. And then if you look at what he did today, he had another 25% target share. Um, so I, I think he is a guy that is probably getting healthy from the turf toe stuff that we saw early in the season. Uh, we know that the commanders are willing to throw the ball as much as Sam Howell gets sacked. And we hate that. Like his accuracy has been a plus. Like we did not know that this guy could like be this accurate. I guess we thought maybe like, you know, there was a lot of people that really liked him, you know, coming out of college. Hmm. Um, actually, in fact, I remember at one point where he was thought to be an early first round pick in uh, the year before uh, he came out in the draft. It's funny how much things can change, but he's, he's looking good in that regard. So those, those things all coming together, I think we are going to get more wide receiver two weeks from Terry McLaurin, hopefully here in the future. I'm going to give him a small upgrade in the utilization stuff tomorrow. I did have a question. I don't know if you saw anything. Um, was there an issue at all with Brian Robinson or Antonio Gibson today? Because Chris Rodriguez, you know, 37% of the rushing attempts. 
Yeah, and so look, there weren't that many rush attempts total. I think that no, at one point there's only but. 19 team rush attempts. Two of them were by Howell. So just raw numbers. Rodriguez had seven. Brian Robinson had eight. But that's still a lot. He hasn't been getting two. that. Yeah, bro. And I thought maybe it was like, okay, was this like a one drive situation? Because we see that happen usually more in blowouts. But no, man, he had like first or second series. He was getting some carries. He had two handoffs on the last drive. This was concerning, Dwayne, because even if the snaps aren't that much, like he's not going away. And I don't exactly know why. I don't think he's been that impressive out there. But three backs, man, much tougher to live with, especially again in an offense where it's not like we're getting so many scoring opportunities to just, you know, bail us out. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to panic yet, but definitely monitoring. Like, this is one of those situations, it's monitoring. And I'm kind of leaning towards the negative side on Brian Robinson. He's already been so game script dependent. If this does become a factor, like, you're going to have a real tough time ever knowing when to play Brian Robinson. Um, Like, so, I mean, I'm going to keep him in the running back to low end right now for Robinson. But like he's borderline. If we get another data point like this next week, like Robinson moves into the RB three range. Do you, should managers try and to ditch him right now? Gibson can just be dropped. <sighs> like, geez, what the hell, man? What the hell? What are you saying on on Rodriguez? Is <laughs> dude, Gibson's like that meme where it's like, dude, our expectations were low, but holy shit, <laughs> dude! Like, come on, man. Uh, yeah, with Robinson, and okay, I, I I shouldn't slander Chris Rodriguez. Like, he's been fine with his opportunities, but it's not like he's they given him that much run. But maybe that's because he's going to get more because Robinson hasn't been that great. Yeah, Dwayne, because again, Robinson did find a way to score a touchdown here. He has had some good games, like. I'm with you because low end RB2, that's about where Robinson's been. I think that's what you can sell him for. But if we get another data point or God forbid, Chris Rodriguez, like just actually gets to sort of bump up that Brian Robinson got last year. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's a starter. Robinson's going to be worthless in a hurry, man. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely be willing to move Brian Robinson. Um, They, this team, number one, they like to throw the ball a lot. Um, They get into a lot of long down and distance situations because of the sacks. There's a lot of things that add up against the running backs, the overall offense is still like functional. Um, but I think it, it could be a tough environment to, and you would think that that would mean Antonio Gibson would be getting points out yeah. of this backfield, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that. So, and, and if you play in a super, you know, deep competitive format, 14 teamers, that kind of stuff, or 12 teamers with 20 people on your rosters, you know, Rodriguez, he can be worth a men bid to pick him up now. I think at a minimum, if something happens to Brian Robinson, I think it's pretty clear Antonio Gibson, I don't yeah. know that he's stepping into that role. I, I think it, if I had to pick now, obviously things can change, but if I had to pick right now today, I would say, oh, Chris Rodriguez probably takes over the early down work and Antonio Gibson maybe picks up a little bit of extra, but probably just stays in the role he's in. They don't want him touching the ball. Like he had 11% of the attempts today. They just don't get him involved. Like they're not designing anything for him. And then when you have Sam Howe taking sacks or scrambling more than checking down, that's really where the big problem yeah. is coming to fruition as well. So yeah, hey, I fully understand like selling quote unquote high on Robinson isn't gonna, you know, get you this huge, you know, return. Maybe you just need to have a running back like him anyway. But yeah, Jamal, I think our big takeaway there, Chris Rodriguez is a real handcuff in Washington. Pains me to say that, but that's where we are. Gotta admit that. Good news on Terry McLaurin, though. I remember coming here a couple of weeks ago, Dwayne, just shouting out how close mm-hmm. it was between him, Curtis, Dotson, and even Logan Thomas. But now on the year, Terry McLaurin, 52 overall targets. Curtis Samuel down there at 39. Dotson at 36. Final note in this one is that with Curtis Samuel, he did go to the locker room briefly and then returned, though. So if he did see some wonky routes for any reason at all, probably has to do with that.
Dotson, 22% target share. We'll just leave it there. At least it was a positive. We don't have to debrief on it or anything like that. We can move forward. But look, hey, it was nice for him. Falcons, 16. Buccaneers, 13. ATL covered as three-point dogs. Under cash here at 37 and a half. Just uh, one of the defining Arthur Smith games of our generation, Dwayne. Their first drive. Is Mona Lisa. You had a great tweet. His Mona Lisa. <laughs> this was just ridiculous. They go nine, eight plays, 58 yards. I need glasses. Eight plays, 58 yards, and Drake London, B. John Robinson, and Kyle Pitts did not touch the ball once. And that's the kind of thing here, Dwayne, because, again, you know, especially when you and me were at our previous employer, like, we were very – we made sure to point out that as frustrating as some of, you know, Arthur Smith's usage has been over the years, particularly last year when they weren't throwing the ball, they had a really good run game. And like, that is the thing, even going back to his days in Tennessee, like that 2019, like offense when Tannehill was averaging like over nine yards per attempt, AJB and Corey Davis were both balling out. Like yep. I get it. Like Arthur Smith has designed some very efficient offenses, but with that said, what the hell is going on here, man? B. John Robinson goes out here and does not get his first touch until the very end of the game with 33 seconds left directly after Kyle Pitts got them into field goal range and they more or less just needed to center the ball at this point. Because when he only gets in the game at that point after being told that he wasn't feeling great and he was dealing with a headache, that's where I don't know what to think, Dwayne, because if he had just been left out of the entire game 60 minutes because of this, I would have been pissed that we heard nothing about it with the quote-unquote official injury reports that these teams are supposed to follow so strictly. But the fact he gets in the game with 33 seconds left for that carry, what the hell, man? Yeah, I don't know, man. It, it feels weird. I'm just trying to move on from it. His first snap in the game, did you see it? It was a screen to the fullback <laughs> he oh. finally got on the field for a snap and it was a scream to Ke it was a screen to keith smith oh my god <laughs> like, what's not happening keith. not keith like, smith <laughs> yeah i mean seriously it did it, it did hint of the way it happened getting in at the very end and then the other snap being a screen to the fullback where you're a decoy he basically ran out in the flat and then the fullback was almost more like a where they're trying to set up not a shovel but that same area right in front of the quarterback instead of like you know a screen this wide from you uh yeah i don't know but it is really frustrating like in all seriousness yeah i mean we've got Bijan robinson and a lot of lineups i would have loved to have pulled him out of those and put someone else in who knows if we had someone on by mageddon <laughs> but to not hear anything super frustrating I, I think the one if we're trying to glean anything from this you know ian it's the fact that well, we've at least seen now uh, what happens in a game without Bijan Robinson. So we've got a little bit more yeah. of an idea of what the pecking order would look like. And it was Tyler Algier for 52% of the snaps, 55% of the rushing attempts. That's 21 carries, 29% of the routes. He did have 14% of the targets. That's three. So 24 opportunities today for Tyler Algier. Good God. 14.2 fantasy points. If we got 24 opportunities for Bijan Robinson in a game, <laughs> It'd be 30 fantasy points, guys. It would be 30. Cordell Patterson, your guy, 41% uh, of the snaps, 26% of the attempts. So he had 10 carries on his own. So between the two guys, 31 rushing attempts today, he was out there for more of the passing downs, 39% route participation for Cordell. Didn't, didn't come through in the box score, 5.6 points. But you can imagine if he did, Ian, because you would be super excited. Hey, 56 rushing yards on 10 carries, Dwayne. That's nothing to uh, yeah. complain oh, hey. about there. Nothing to scoff at. Our one Probably look good enough that it's now good. a three-way committee. That'll be awesome. <laughs>
this is this is like all my just all my bad jokes from may just coming true and uh to your point about us having a lot of Bijan robinson i really wish they weren't so love seeing my guys cpat the all time greatest kick returner in nfl history get some run but yeah i was hoping that wouldn't be at the expense of b john robinson so i would really like to just pretend this never happened Dwayne. honestly i think that probably is the case more times than not i mean they asked b john after the game and he literally said he tried to take medicine so he could be good but his head was hurting he just didn't know what was going on i mean I haven't had migraines. It almost kind of sounds like that, though, at the yeah, risk it sounds of, like you one know, of those old Terrell Davis or Percy Harvey. Yeah. Things. Yeah. I like mean, that. It's this... actually inc- not encouraging to me for Bijan. Like, I hate that he was feeling that way, but yeah. like that gives me some hope that it wasn't just a fluky Arthur Smith shenanigans kind of thing. Cause like there's Shanahanigans. No <laughs> <laughs> like there's no way we actually see Bijan without an injury be reduced to this. I have no idea what happened today. I'm so sorry for you Bijan managers. He had to deal with yeah. it, but on a scale from like, he lost his job to Cordero Patterson to this is a weird T Higgins sort of like, you know, limited snap performance where he was active. I do think it's far more towards the T Higgins side of things. So we did, not have, another, uh, Go ahead. We did have another amazing Kyle Pitts catch that Dude. was more, more of a bad throw by Ritter. It was even yeah, worse throw by Ritter than it was a good catch by Pitts. I'm like, how does he do this to this man? He Ritter just all the time. Ritter's just a good teammate. He's setting up all his uh, pass catches for highlights because he can never actually throw the ball where it needs to go in the first place. Sadly, we're not going to get that uh, you know sky cam view because the game was in Tampa and Atlanta has exclusive rights to that for whatever reason. But yeah, man, sick catch by Kyle Pitts. He actually had, I believe, one or two drops out there. He was charged with them, so not ideal there. But also set up the game winning field goal. Uh, that said, Dwayne, you know, still got a still got Johnny Smith involved. There was a stretch on that first drive where they threw him three or four straight targets. And, you know, I was ready to break my lovely board pro 75, but I was not do that do it. because I love our sponsors over at WebEx uh, and LED far too much uh, to make that happen. But yeah, man, Kyle Pitts, honestly, like the fact three catches, 47 yards. If you told me that in week two, I'd be like, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, you know, look, if this is his down week, I think it's okay. I mean, he still gave you 7.7 fantasy points. Tight ends not named, not named Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews are going to do this. Yeah. Like they will do this to you. So we can live with this. He had a 75% route participation today. So still like at the beginning of the year, he was in that 90% range. But really since they've reduced his role, which is funny how fantasy works sometimes, he's actually been scoring more fantasy points. So I don't know. Maybe this has to do with the knee injury uh, that keeps him fresher through the game. Like, there's all sorts of like theories we could toss out there, but at the end, like we've, we've had, we had two really solid games from Pitts, And then this one, at least it didn't, he didn't give you a zero because the old floor for Kyle Pitts was just, you just got a big fat goose egg. Yeah. So I'll take the 7.7 last few notes here on the Atlanta side of things. Yeah. Uh, atrocious game by Desmond Ritter. He lost three fumbles. Two of them were at the one yard line. We had Drake London do everything in his power to score had a wild you know just still shot that the fantasy life uh, account tweeted out where again head over heels trying to reach that football out almost you know committed the cardinal sin of fumbling it through the end zone instead out of bounds the one yard line and then redder fumbled the snap later in the game to just seal things he had the corner no problem just literally put a second hand over the ball dude nope got the got peanut punched out and then the ball went out for the touchback rule so i think that's the only time Dwayne, because it was such an inexcusable like he started coasting instead of just running through the end zone he wasn't protecting the ball it's the only time i've seen twitter not pissed off about that touchback rule because it was like 
yeah, what are you doing, Desmond Ritter? That's what we got going on there. So congrats to Ritter. He now has a league-high 16 turnover-worthy plays this season and 10 career starts. He's accounted for 11 combined passing and rushing touchdowns and 15 combined fumbles and interceptions. Not a great ratio there, Dwayne. But yes, final point here is... To give, you know, at least one kind word to Desmond Ritter, he is continuing to get Drake London the football quite a bit more than before, Dwayne. So, again, mentioned that just short play. And honestly, he had another one that was very much so in that Amari Cooper, DJ Moore range of things where you don't exactly see him get tackled. And then when they're telling you he stepped out of bounds, you're not exactly buying that. So, I'll see tomorrow if it was quite as egregious as those. But, again, man, we said Kyle Pitts. We were pretty happy with that. Drake London, six catches for 54 yards in this game. Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, man. I mean, we'll take it. Like, Drake London's in the wide receiver three conversation. We talked about it last week. Here are this guy's target shares since week one. 6%, 28%, 16%. Last four, though, really strong. 24%, 24%, 28%, 32%. Okay. So in five okay. out of seven games, he's been 24% or higher. He has a wide receiver one profile. Like if this man played with the Chiefs right now, if he landed there, like Patrick Mahomes would like have a conniption fit. Like whatever that means, I don't even I don't even know what that means. My my grandmother used to say that. I should look it up. I probably am not even saying it right, but it's not. It's like when you freak out. Like you freak out. Like Patrick Mahomes would freak out if he had this guy in his offense. Uh, Gabe Davis would never see the field again if this guy played in Buffalo. Here uh, go, unfortunately. Dwayne. Anger yeah. or panic expressed verbally, loudly, and with overt bodily gestures. Oh, so well, the I don't, I would, I don't think it would be the anger part, but all the other things, <laughs> yes, would be true for More these passions. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, credit to you for even figuring out how to come close to spelling that right to be able to find it. Um, so yeah, look, London's a really good player. Uh, we know all the other parts. You know, when you try to give these guys credit, because you know we talk a lot about the negatives too. We talk about yeah. all aspects for players. But it is funny. Anytime you just try to give a guy props, you know, like I put this tweet out about London, just basically said, look, this dude's a, it's not easy to earn this many targets. The first thing people do in your mentions, his quarterback sucks. <laughs> you know, and you're like, I know he does, but that's not the point of the tweet. We're just trying to give the guy credit for being a good player. Can we just do that now that I said that? Yes, his quarterback sucks and the offense likes to run the ball, but they're throwing it more. They are throwing it a little bit more lately, and that's helping London. On the other side of the ball, we had another great wide receiver continue to do his thing. Mike Evans, six catches, 82 yards and a touchdown coming on a 40-yard bomb where he went right past A.J. Terrell, number one Falcons corner, corner, who was trying to match him for most of the day but couldn't quite hold Mike Evans in check. So here we are, Dwayne. We're through seven weeks, and Mike Evans is on pace for 1,326 yards and 11 touchdowns. That's the second most yards of his career, and even if you say, Ian, that's bullshit, using the 17 games, fine. It'd be the third most yards of his career then if you want to go ahead and you know again include that roger maris babe Ruth shenanigan stuff going on there so great news there no we're not going to see booms like this every single week i'm sure we'll have some busts sooner rather than later in this let's bake experience but again good to see evans keeping on keeping on Sadly, Dwayne, still not getting the bounce back from Chris Goblin. Not the worst day at all here. You know, six catches, 66 yards on a team high, 12 targets. But we now have as our top two pass catchers in terms of most targets without a touchdown, Evan Ingram at 49 and Chris Goblin at 48. So don't need to harp on a ton of this. I know you, me, Chris Allen, and yeah. Golden Freaking Tate. How cool is that? Got a chance to talk about Goblin and Evans and the questions pod and just how Evans really is just emerging as clearly, you know, the better kind of option for the way Baker 
wants to play quarterback. But beyond Evans, man, you can kind of talk about Rashad White too. Like anyone we can kind of trust in this Buccaneers offense because as fun as those first few weeks were where we actually seemed to have a little bit more of a ceiling than we expected, certainly seeing things, you know, come back to reality a bit more over these past two games. Yeah, I mean, what was Baker at? 275 today? Like, yeah. <laughs> That's still that's that's like out kicking the coverage for Baker. True. He keeps doing it. So I I I like Godwin. I'm I'm I mean I'm warming more to him. I I agree Hello? like what we talked about last week. It's the Mike Evans stuff. But yeah, I think I mean when a guy gets 12 targets and look, it could last because DJ Moore last year, even when he would get those targets with Baker, a lot of them wouldn't be catchable. And they kind of, they're really operating in that same area of the field. So I don't know if it's just this intermediate underneath accuracy stuff that's just a big problem for Baker. Um, but still it's 12 targets. Like you just, I'll take that. And I, I mean, I'm going to lean on that more than anything else and just hope that regression kind of takes care of some of the issues with how many of those balls are catchable. Um, so I, I like Godwin. I think he is a buy low. Uh, I think the offense has played well enough, long enough now that I feel okay about it. And then just real quickly on the backfield, um, Rashad white, we saw a little bit of a dip for him over the last two games and his utilization that went away. So, and we talk about this all the time. Like some of these upgrades can be temporary. We kind of ha we have to make judgments pretty quickly with our information. We only have we only play 17 games, you know, for you know, for each team. So it's a situation where you can't be like, oh, I'll wait for five data points on everything. <laughs> well, then it's too late. Like, I mean, you gotta kind of act on some of these things sooner. But with white, 79% of the snaps today, Ian, 68% of the rushing attempts, 80% route participation, and a 15% target share, which was nice. He's kind of been like, you know. Our idea, the idea of Rashad White was poor man's Ramondre. Yeah. And he's had the same struggles as Ramondre. He's been hyper inefficient, which we kind of expected because he was not efficient last year. But he hasn't been getting the targets. And that has been the thing that has hurt him. So maybe he can kind of get back more on the Ramondre train here. He had that 15% today. That, that'll help you. And that's how he got to the 15.9 fantasy points. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn was less of a factor than what he's been in the last two weeks. Shout out to uh, Rashad Boy. This was, in my opinion, just the best game I've seen him play this year from an eye test perspective. Really was making a lot of good things happen after the catch. Sick, sick, sick hurdle on one such occasion. So I do appreciate any grown man that has the ability to jump over another grown man. That is crazy. All right, Ravens took down the Lions 38-6, to covering easily as a three-point fave. The over just barely cashed at 43.5. So Lamar MVP, Dwayne. Love when we can say that on a podcast and not immediately look like idiots our guy came through and really was his best game of the year especially when just looking at the overall product and not the Steelers game where everyone was just dropping all the great throws he had so 13.2 yards per attempt you know 77.8 percent completion rate right now Lamar joins Tua and Brock Purdy as the only quarterbacks averaging over eight yards per attempt and yeah you guys might remember too he's pretty damn good at running the football as well so this was his first time over 300 passing yards since that wild week two game against the Dolphins last year but Dwayne I mean even if we didn't get you know complete booms from any of the other wide receivers you know we have mark andrews getting his two touchdowns zay flowers 75 yards gus edwards had an 80 yard you know broken coverage induced catch and run that was a fun time seeing gus bus go down there again not enough centralized volume for anyone other than mark andrews to really you know put forward a big effort today but just seeing this ceiling out of the passing game like this is what we were hoping for with todd monk and coming to town yeah, hopefully like they're turning the page and we're going to see more of this. Um, we don't know for sure because you're just you occasionally you get blow up games like this. But I mean, I think they do have the weapons when they're healthy to to have these kind of performances. Obviously, they're not going to throw for this many yards every game, 
But Odell Beckham really had his best game, um, you know, over the last several weeks. He wasn't out there a ton, 64% route participation, but he had seven targets, caught five of those for 49 yards. Zay Flower and Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews, they're like, they're still the main two guys. They're the ones that are out there for most of the snaps, most of the routes. And Zay Flowers continues to be a buy. Ian, I know more people know about him now because like there's been a lot of content put out about him over the last few weeks, and rightfully so, mm. because all the underlying data points are there. But he still hasn't had this blow up game. And it's it's coming. And if if this offense takes a step forward and we see a few more games like what we saw today, or just to where they're pushing towards 275, 280 passing yards a game instead of like the 220 we were seeing before, that's gonna go a long way for Zay Flowers. He will be one of the primary uh, guys to benefit from the offense getting better like that. So Zay Flowers is still a buy low in my opinion. Right now, you know, he's looking like a wide receiver three, but could easily be in that wide receiver two conversation if this offense takes another step forward. Again, it really was the Gus Bus show. 51% snaps, 15 combined carries and targets. Had Justice Hill at 49% snaps, just four carries, one target. Even in a game that was 38 to 6, only got to see Keaton Mitchell for 4% of the snaps, just one target. So certainly still very much a two-back committee in Baltimore. Expect this, you know, Gus and Justice situation continue to kind of swing back and forth depending on how the game scripts are going. On the other side of the ball, Dwayne, probably easier just to throw this one out for the Lions. Again, this is an offense that coming into the game was top four in EPA per play, yards per play, points per game, pretty much any advanced statistic that we just reliably rely on as, you know, telling us who is actually good at offense and who is not. And just this one, man, it was 28-0 halfway through the second quarter. Baltimore had 325 total yards, and the Lions had 13. So Goff was under pressure all day. I mean, he hadn't, take more, hadn't taken more than three sacks in a game all season. He took five today. So, yeah, really fun seeing, you know, our one true sun god have 19 freaking targets out there, caught 13 of them for over 100 yards. Sam Laporta, you know, not a great game, but they can't all be great. You said it before, Dwayne, about the tight end. So I think the two takeaways we have here are one, Jameer Gibbs, uses without th- which I'll throw to you for a second, and also Jamison Williams, sadly, not making the most out of his opportunities. 134 unrealized air yards for Jamison Williams. That trails only Stefan Diggs. One of these, and I'll be curious if this gets objectively called a drop. It was a potential 40-yard gain. It was a great throw from Goff. It was also a headshot on Jamison. It hit him in the helmet. But it did that because the defender got there early and basically pinned his arm away. So I am not blaming him for that one. We do have to blame him, though, for objectively dropping a 46-yard touchdown. Hit him in the hands, kind of like the one he caught, Dwayne, where he had to make that tough yeah. turn in midair. So wasn't a gimme, wasn't a layup. But when it hits your hands there, man, we got to call that a drop. So what did we see from Jamison real quick? Were the routes uh, you know, increasing? Are we still stuck in this four or five guy rotation? Uh, 45% route participation, but we hoped for more. You had Marvin Jones um, staying Out behind. Personal. He didn't travel with the team. So essentially you saw like 25, 30% of the routes up for grabs and he did get some of those, but then you had Antoine green getting a 47% route. Who? <laughs> yeah. A N T O I N. I think it's Antoine green. Yeah. So yeah, this, so this guy that I've never heard of was out there as much as Jamison Williams. Now he didn't demand the targets, but the other thing that like kind of worries me a little bit, Ian is like, while we knew Jamison had like this deep threat ability, I feel like he's kind of getting pigeonholed into that for the lions. I, when I watched film on Jamison Williams and I did all my grading on him and looked at all the data, 
he was a guy that was winning at every level of the field that last year at Alabama, whether it was on slants, crossers. Yes, he could do the go, those sort of things. And I know that this is, this is something also that Matt Harmon's talked about, like that, you know, Jamison Williams isn't just like a just run off coverage kind of guy. Like he can do the stuff underneath. So I'll be interested to see what happens. I know a lot of these other guys operate there though, right? Sam Laporta operating underneath intermediate. That's really where Amon Ross St. Brown is, is earning, you know, all of his targets as well. So there's a chance right now that, that Williams really is stuck more into this prairie yards kind of role. And he's also not getting enough playing time. If you're, if you're playing, you know, in really smaller leagues, like if you've got to make a move, I think you can, if you need to move on, but I, I prefer to still keep him though. Like this guy's still a former first round pick his targets per route run, you know, uh, you know, 23%. That's really strong. So he's getting targets when he's on the field and they are deep, but we just haven't seen the playing time that we hope for. And, and I worry like if Marvin Jones is back next week, like, does he go back the other way? I don't think we know for sure real quick on the Jameer Gibbs thing. Cause yeah. I know you mentioned that as well. So we've got two games now where David Montgomery has been out with Jameer Gibbs available. Now to be fair, uh, Craig Reynolds was questionable coming into this game. Like we found out this morning that he was going to play, but I don't know how dinged up Reynolds yeah. was with that hamstring injury. He was battling Jameer Gibbs had a hamstring injury, but he was off the injury report by the end of the week, but in week three and in week seven, right? We have seen Jameer Gibbs out here without uh, David Montgomery and it's been good opportunities Ian, in those two games, 18 and 21. Ooh. So I mean, nine and 28 fantasy points, two different outcomes. But, you know, that's how fantasy goes. Sometimes, you know, you, you score more points on your opportunities than others. But we, I think the positive here for me, and I don't know that we can, like, do too much with this, but if you're in Dynasty, like, the Lions know that this guy can have games like this where he can handle the majority of the work. And it's going to be David Montgomery coming in this year when he's healthy and still probably being the lead guy. And it's going to frustrate everybody around Jameer Gibbs. But if you are that Dynasty manager... I think you got to have some confidence in this and know that this is a glimpse of what the future can look like. And this is a guy that no matter what the game script is, like he can still remain, he can, re can remain super involved. He did that thing. Like we see Eckler and some of these other guys, Alvin Kamara back in the day, like we've seen them do Ian, where it's like, Oh man, I got like six points from Jameer Gibbs. He sucks. And then you look up like a few <laughs> minutes later, you're like, Holy crap. I got 26 points out of Jameer Gibbs. <laughs> Why? Because he earns a ton of targets out of the backfield. So he can really insulate himself from bad game scripts. And we haven't even necessarily seen him yet, like find his true legs, like as far as his ability as an NFL running back. I think he's still feeling his way through that, watching him play. You can see the flashes of explosiveness, but he's not layering it all together yet. Like it doesn't look like what it looks like for him in college, but I think that stuff will come in time. So if for some reason somebody in your dynasty league is just like, oh my God, I hate this. I know they signed David Montgomery to this two-year deal. He's going to be here again next year. I think it pays to have the long view on Jameer Gibbs. And as far as season long this year, well, I think just now, anytime we know David Montgomery's not in the lineup, I, you've got to treat Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs has running back one upside. In fact, like he should probably be ranked as a borderline RB1, if not an RB1, depending on the matchup. So when we had Montgomery, I mean, look, this was only the Lions' second loss of the season. That week two game against the Seahawks was like Seattle kind of making a nice little comeback at the end, going to overtime. It was a back-and-forth game. Do you think, Dwayne, that this sort of target usage for Gibbs would persist in a game like this with 
Montgomery so active? Because that's the question. Because I mean, this is fantastic usage right here. And this, you know, we have that one uh, team where just the way the board went, we drafted Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, the same team. And one of yeah. the ways we rationalized that, there was like a tear drop off going on. I won't get full in the weeds, but our thought was that if either guy misses time, the other one will for sure be a must start like RB1. And we saw that with Montgomery. We now, what Gibbs obviously saw here this week, which is fantastic. But when we do get Gibbs back, like, do you still think we're stuck in that 70 30? Excuse me, let me get Montgomery back. Are we still stuck in that 70 30 split? Or do you think that we maybe just saw a lot more games where the Lions were winning by multiple touchdowns? And that was just perfect for Montgomery. Maybe all along it was a bit closer to the 65 35, you know, 60 40 stuff. It just hadn't seen the game script. Yeah, I do think that the game scripts have worked out perfectly for David Montgomery yeah. and just for the Lions, the way they want to play football in general. The challenge is we know that's the way they want to play. <laughs> if they can have it their way, they want to play that I mean, way. Every team so, wants to win by multiple touchdowns. I'm just Yeah, saying. well, no, you, no, you're correct. Hey, that's fair. But we know <laughs> they would like to come out like their drop back rate over expectation. Like they're a they're nearly a run heavy team. I hear um, they were trending to be a run heavy team early on in the season now they're really more of a run balanced balance type team when we look when we look at those data points but i do think that if they get forced into these kind of games that's where we will see potentially more jameer gibbs we have seen it in a couple of games where you had montgomery and you had gibbs and gibbs did get the routes okay so it's not been every time but we have seen that a couple of times. So I don't think he's going to get to that 60, 65% route participation we hope for, but I think we could have games where he could get to 50%, you know, and you're hoping he gets 25% of the rushing attempts. That's, that's the tough part. It's like yeah. Montgomery really does get most of the, of the groundwork, but Gibbs also played pretty good today. So maybe this earns him a little bit more work. None of these things are static and there's so many variables. It's hard for us to like predict. One thing I know is like, Jameer Gibbs, like he showed flashes today of why people took him, you know, in the third or fourth round. So hopefully the Lions see some of that too, Ian. Home against the Raiders next week. I have a hard time believing they're going to rush Montgomery back, uh, Dwayne, because they do have a week nine bye coming up after this one. I don't think we're going to need uh, you know, more than the two hands that God gave no. us to count the number of running backs uh, ranking ahead of Gibbs, even with no buys in that one. So obviously feeling quite a bit better, uh, all you Gibbs managers out there today, as you should. Next game up, now in the late afternoon time slots, we had the Steelers take down the Rams 24-17. to Pittsburgh entered the game as three-and-a-half-point underdogs. The undercash in this one just barely at 44 points. So Najee, Jalen Warren, both scored touchdowns, both doing their things, both averaging 3.9 yards per carry. So again, as much as I would love to sit here and stay, say how much Jalen Warren has been outperforming Najee this year, layoff, Najee has been very good in his own right. He's not going anywhere. Don't believe he's going to get traded. This is going to remain the 60-40, 55-45 situation that we have seen all season. More intriguing, Dwayne, is the return of Deontay Johnson. The target-earning maestro went out there and did just that again, but didn't maybe do do it quite at the same sort of dominant level that we've seen in the past because Dwayne just in that small sample we had just that first half against the 49ers we're talking about targets per route run rate that was equivalent to what Justin Jefferson has had this season and I don't want to completely write this off it was just one game but based on what we've seen while Johnson was gone just based on the fourth quarter today man George Pickens looks like the number one wide receiver in Pittsburgh and I don't really think that's going anywhere I think it's 1A, 1B, and I think it probably flips back and forth um, each week. I mean, it was Johnson's first game back. He was out there 86% of the routes. 
Uh, Pickens was 100%, never left the field. So I think you'll see it work up towards a point where both those guys are out there 92, 95% of the routes. And so that's, that's also part of what's going on here. But yeah, Pickens had a 35% target share today. We had a 26% share for, uh, actually, do I got this thing clicked? Yeah. Deontay Johnson. Yeah, that's still right. So I, I, I think it's going to be fine. Like I was encouraged. I, I mean, I was like, okay, first game back 26% target share, especially when George that's Pickens true. has been playing really well. So I think the big question here is Kenny Pickett. Can Kenny Pickett like just support these two guys? I this could be another situation like what we have with Devontae Adams and with Jacoby Myers. Like it the offense should all funnel through these guys. Pat Fryermuth is now on the IR. He's gonna miss that helps a lot. I, I was gonna say, like, that is the one thing that is yeah. not similar to before. So that is good news. Not yeah, that, and but. yeah. And you know, they've got some other guys, Allen Robbins or whatever, but they're not you know, they're not priorities in the offense. So I do think there's an opportunity for this to really just condense down to these two guys. We just really need Kenny Pickett to take a step forward. Come on, come on, Kenny Pickett. Like we're waiting. Like if he could do like some of the stuff we're seeing from Sam Howell, but it was all funneled to these two guys, you know, minus the sacks, like there could be a lot of fun here, you know, with the Steelers offense. But even if, you know, you're throwing for 225 a game, 250-ish a game, if it's really split, you know, Half of that's going to these two guys. Like you can live on that, especially in the weeks you come up with a touchdown. So I had Deontay Johnson graded as a wide receiver three this week. I mean, I think he's borderline right back on the wide receiver two conversation. And I think George Pickens obviously gets to remain in the wide receiver two conversation. Uh, it's just a matter of what can the ceiling of the passing game be, be with Pickett. And that's more so why I managed. I have Pickens over Deontay right now. I'm not completely out on Deontay, but just watching the way this is going, man. Like when Pickens sees he's got Pickens one on one, it's like just instantly going to him. He's no longer Pickens that field looks great, man. Yeah, he does. Yeah. 2.46 yards per out run. That is 12th in the league for those counting at home. We just need someone, Dwayne, like to hack Kenny Pickett's watches or something and just make this dude think that he's playing in the fourth quarter every single game. Like, this is ridiculous, man. Quarters one through three, Kenny Pickett is 33rd in yards per attempt. He's 32nd in passer rating. He's 34th in PFF passing grade. There's 32 starting quarterbacks. These are terrible numbers. In the fourth quarter, Dwayne, Kenny Pickett averages the most yards per attempt in the league at 10.1. He's got the fifth highest passer rating. He's got the fourth highest PFF passing grade. So, yes, I realize that sometimes in the fourth quarters, like we will see situations where, oh, they're already getting killed. It's just prevent. He's racking up these garbage time stats. But, man, don't look now. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 4-2. and two. Mike Tomlin continuing to march towards never finishing below 500. I mean, we've only had that 49ers and that Texans game just lead to these, you know, blowout, terrible fourth-quarter game scripts. And Pickett, like, wasn't actually making those competitive anyway, man. So, again, just the fact that we're seeing him be really good at least for 15 minutes of the game is a hell of a lot better than zero. Maybe just maybe we can stretch that out here sooner rather than later. Couple sheets here. Uh, Najee was just short of a second touchdown that ended up leading to a Kenny Pickett quarterback sneak. And, like, uh, man, at the end of the game, I'm not saying Pittsburgh didn't deserve to win this. Like, their defense came out playing great in that second half, too. But that spot at the end of the game, Dwayne, was so freaking bad. I mean, we're talking about a QB sneak by Pickett. Wasn't even close. Yeah. And the Rams didn't have a timeout, so they weren't able to challenge what, again, never should have been a situation where they needed to challenge in the first place. So I, I thought the video booth has been doing such a better job of this, Dwayne, where like they just almost like overturn calls like when it's really obvious and they don't even waste everyone's time with it. So just unfortunate to see this amongst several other games actually, you know, kind of be left up into the hands of the zebras out there, but it is 
what it is. Let's go ahead and talk about this Rams offense, Dwayne. A lot of us, a.k.a. me, stupid freaking helicopter, thought that uh, this was going to be a big performance from this passing game out here, and it was not. While Matthew Stafford could have had a second touchdown, he hit Daryl Henderson and got all the way down the one-yard line, and then they handed off to Henderson. Obviously, even with that, wouldn't have been the day that some of us were thinking about. So weird from the start, man. I mean, anytime you're going to see Cooper Cup drop two slants that hit him in the chest to open up a game, probably should have known from there it wasn't going to be all that pretty. So got a big one from uh, Puka Nakua, but overall, Dwayne, I think I'm more willing to write this off as hey tj Watt and company pretty damn good as opposed to being too much lower on this rams offense moving forward yeah i still feel like matthew stafford's due for a big blow-up game i know we've been saying this for multiple weeks now but like when you have two guys playing as well as cup and nakua are like and then tutu atwell mixing in like he's playing the best football of his career tyler higby's not like complete dust as a tight end like if you want to use him you don't have to because you you know, the tar- here are the target shares to Puka plus Cooper Cup over the last three games. Week five, 68%. Week six, 73%. Week seven, 70%. <laughs> How in the hell did Puka Nakua never play a full-time role in college? Guys, I removed his injury games. So the games where he left with injury, I took out. And he's still like the best, like was a 60% route participation. How? I, we we need to have these college coaches on our show. We have to say, okay, so like, are your other receivers you had in your program like future first round ballot Hall of Famers? Because like, how the hell was Puka Nakua not? I mean, did you see that catch today on the sideline? It was like, unbelievable. I mean, and he now like when you say like these guide numbers, like that's what we're talking about here. It's not just Puka putting together a couple of nice games. Him and Jamar Chase are now the only players in NFL history with 700 or more receiving yards in their first seven career games. That's why you're upset, Dwayne. That's why we should all be upset. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I don't I don't get it. I don't see how this guy ever was not on the field like 100 percent of the time he was available like He's definitely like, you know, the Sex Panther thing, you know, the 60% of the time it works all the time. Like you got to have him on the field all the time. So I don't understand that. But anyway, moving on, I'm still buying into this Rams passing attack. I still think he's a great DFS play, Matthew Stafford, every week, right? Because not people don't play him a lot. Like they're just due. They are due for this 400-yard passing game where they throw for three or four touchdowns. Puka's going to be coming up in price. I used him a lot today in DFS because I was like, "What? what is happening here? Like how is he coming down uh, in his price? I didn't understand that. Uh, Cooper Cup was like $2,000 more than Puka Nakua today, which is kind of – and as much as we love Cooper Cup, like come on, guys. Like that's kind of weird. So anyway, I, I do think bigger days are coming for the offense. Uh, do you want me to go ahead and break down these running backs? Uh, last like thing today? real quick, because this is yeah. crazy. I mean, you mentioned the target shares game by game, but just overall now in three, four weeks together, the targets, Dwayne, are dead even. Cup and Puka both have 28. And when you look at the PPR fantasy points, Cup has 52 and a half and Puka has 50.1. So, hey, it wasn't that long ago where we had to you know, look at that first game and say, okay, is this now the Cooper Cup show or are we going to see this be 1A, 1B? And LA, man, it's 1A, 1A with these two guys and just continue to start the 
every week and absolutely love it. But yes, Dwayne, now we need to get to a backfield that presumably was going to be the uh, Zach Evans show. And then as we all conveniently found out, uh, you know, in the wee hours of Saturday evening and the Sunday morning, actually, he very much remains the uh, number three running back in his uh, own backfield. Uh, sucks to suck over there. Everyone that, you know, used a bunch of uh, fab on Zach Evans, which was me in a league or two. Let's uh, be honest there. But me too. yeah, Dwayne, <laughs> Daryl Henderson and Royce Freeman now stand up. This is uh, this is what the zero RBers were uh, after all along, right? This was all oh, yeah. the process. This was part of the plan. They had this mapped out. But now you just got to keep working the waiver wire. That's part of that strategy. It's like Charlie uh, at the board and it's always sunny and just Daryl Henderson <laughs> and coming out from the XFL tryout and whatever. Yeah, it's kind of funny. In a couple of these, Henderson was still available this morning in some leagues that will run that run waiver wires, you know, on Sunday morning. And so I went in and I had already picked up Zach Evans. And I just spent a decent amount on him, but I was like, I don't even care. I, I don't even care. Like I have new information. Now I didn't cut Evans, but I found someone else to cut on those teams. And I put small bids in on it, like with, for Henderson. And I was like, well, who cares? I mean, I'm already like whatever, 25%, you know, in some some cost, of my fab. yeah. So I'm like, let's just throw some more at it. And I thank goodness. Cause I got, I guess people were sleeping. Cause I got Henderson like in all of those Let's go. Um, and I didn't put a lot on him. So I think in there, the couple of those, I think are ours or one of those at least is a team that we co-manage. So anyway, yeah, Henderson 13.6 fantasy points, 58% of the snaps, 58% of the rushing attempts uh, off the couch, five and a half percent of his carries went for 10 plus yards. Not necessarily great, but again, off the couch, 41% route participation and a 7% target share. You had Freeman also engaged in the game plan. 6.6 fantasy points, not as successful, but 42% of the snaps, 39% of the rushing attempts, 17% of his carries went for 10 plus yards or more. He had a 25% route participation, but he did not earn a target. So basically a 60, 40 kind of split here all the way around, whether you're looking at it, you know, for not quite in the passing game, but really everything else was just the 60, 40 kind of split. I don't know what will happen with it next week. Might it, you know, go a little bit more to Henderson. I think that's potential. That's a potential outcome that we could have, or it's just more like this, but 60% of the offense that we like, like you're going to, you're going to get RB two performances out of, out of Daryl Henderson, if you picked him up. So until we get Kyron Williams back, like that's what you're probably getting. And then we'll have to deal with, okay, if Henderson plays good in that time, is he going to mean that Kyron Williams doesn't come back to being in the role that we've had him in so far this season? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that'll be. Is the concern because when we did get the reports in the morning, it was that Miles Gaskin is not up to speed just yet, but he will be active for next week against the Cowboys. Let's face it, not exactly the most ideal matchup here against Michael Parsons and company. So I'm with you. This persists, and yes, Henderson RB2 for Kyron Williams' absence. Yes, I agree. But for next week specifically against the Cowboys with Miles Gaskin seemingly making this a three-back committee, that enough for you to you know answer most start-sick questions not with Henderson or just something we still got to figure out? Uh, I think we'll have him as a running back three, Henderson, okay. That's next week. Yeah, so I think there will definitely be some questions where we're saying no, and then there will be some other ones where we're answering yes. I honestly am not going to expect a lot out of Miles Gaskin, even though he's going to be active next week. I- I'm just... You know, he's been around a long time now. He's bounced around. He didn't do anything with the Vikings. Any, anything can happen here. 
But my gut would be is he just kind of eats into what Freeman's doing. I think we could probably feel pretty decent about Henderson. I think you're right to be cautious plus the matchup against the Cowboys. That'll be enough to keep him in the RB3 range for most rankers anyway. So I think that'll kind of just take care of itself because of the matchup. NFC West matchup right here. The Seahawks took down the Cardinals 20 to 10, covering as nine-point favorites the under cash with ease at 43 and a half. Jackson Smith and the Jigba did it, Dwayne. Was it a wide open touchdown down the seam with no one really around him? Yes, that's fair. But you know what? Now we've seen the ADOC get to like a respectable professional NFL wide receiver level. He had a couple other nice catches out there, had a couple drops out there too, but he was out there as a full-time receiver. In an offense that didn't have DK Metcalf, and also in an offense that had to keep our guy, not really our guy, but how can you not love someone named Jake Bobo regardless? Jake Bobo getting his two, Tyler Lockett out there. How good are we feeling, Dwayne? Because, again, it's an awesome first half from JSN, and for people out there that just had to start him this week, like you are loving, you know, the 16.3 PPR points we got. But this is not just JSN and Tyler Lockett, and I think that's what a lot of us were assuming it would be. Jake Bobo is not going away and kudos to the guy. He blocks his ass off and he made a hell of a catch in the corner of the end zone today. Yes. I'm not going to really worry about it, to be honest. I mean, the bigger thing is you're going to have DK Metcalf back, <laughs> you know, soon. Sure. So, um, you know, I thought JSN did what he needed to do to your point. Jake Bobo had a nice game, 21% target share, but JSN 16.3 fantasy points, 86% route participation, 29% target share. Not, and you mentioned the average depth of the target, 9.4. I do think the wrist was a factor early in the season. And the other interesting thing here, even though Metcalf was out, this is the second week in a row where we've seen the three starting receivers in. None of them get to 90% route participation, all of them in the 80s. Huh. Now, they changed this coming out of the bye last week. So I think we do have to wonder, is this kind of the new thing going forward? If it is, not necessarily great for Tyler Lockett, not necessarily great for DK Metcalf, but it means JSN just upgraded because he's now getting to get to that 80% route participation. Hard to say that for sure because we had DK Metcalf out of this game. So it's one of those things we could easily be on this show next Sunday night and be like, oh, just kidding. DK Metcalf, 95 route participation. JSN's at 65%. Like that could totally happen, but just something that caught my eye with it. Um, Lockett today. Kind of sucks, you know. You thought with DK out, like you'd get a nice week out of him, 7.8 fantasy points. I mean, not terrible, but 21% target share. You were kind of hoping this might be one of those blow-up spots for Lockett, but because JSN and Bobo played so well, that did not come to fruition. Plenty of uses for Kenneth Walker as well. 26 carries on the ground, even having already had a bye week. He now has the fifth most touches in the entire NFL. Yes, having Zach Charbonnet out with that hamstring injury certainly, you know, helping increase that usage. But right now, Walker, you know, really standing out there as the value of round five, or at least a pretty damn good one if you were able to get him there. Geno Smith, again, someone that I was saying this morning, you know, didn't exactly see it come to fruition for Stafford, but, you know, as someone that has been, you know, trying to watch each and every snap this year for my money's worth you know Gino and Stafford have been the two quarterbacks who just haven't had the counting numbers to go along with how well they have been playing more snaps and more weeks than not so with Gino out there really was far more good than bad but his red zone interception was so atrocious I wouldn't blame people for just you know focusing in on that and forgetting a lot of the good but just realized 
Geno Smith coming in in this one, man, second in the NFL in completion percentage over expected, and just some of the throws he puts on tape down the sideline, especially, continue to be absolutely spectacular. So great stuff there. We know we're starting in Kenneth Walker and broke down those wide receivers. On to the Cardinals, where we did get some very interesting pre-game notes, Dwayne, about yeah. Kyler Murray, who Ian Rapport said could return in Week 9, but more likely is Week 10. Doesn't take a genius to figure out that, or I should say a doctor to figure out why, because in Week 9, they're at Cleveland, and in Week 10, they're home against Atlanta. So, yeah, let's go ahead and save uh, Kyler for the matchup. That doesn't include Miles Garrett and a bunch of other scary Cleveland Browns defensive linemen. And with that, Dwayne could mean the end of the Joshua Dobbs era we have had going on here. So, you know, just with that, yeah, probably you guys don't need Dwayne and I to tell you that Marquise Brown, everyone involved in this offense, are going to benefit from Kyler getting back. And just happy to see Kyler coming back and playing football. Dude's been one of the most productive fantasy quarterbacks literally ever and he happens to be a damn joy to watch run around and make plays so love seeing that with Kyler and love seeing the organization seemingly down to give him at least a nice little stretch run here pending the Caleb Williams Drake May sweepstakes the big utilization news Dwayne comes down this backfield so did we was Ingram what was going on with Keontae Ingram because Amari DiMercato freaking dominated here yeah Ingram didn't get anything uh it was really all about uh DiMercato so Everybody went all in on DeMarcado. Then he's just the passing down back. Literally does not, like he had 5% of the rushing attempts or something like that last week. We're like, oh, just the passing down guy. He comes out this week, gets 78% of the snaps, 52% of the rushing attempts. 15% of those carries went for 10 plus yards. 74% route participation. Dude's out here looking like Kieran Williams. So uh, I look, I don't know what to tell you about this backfield. I have no clue what's going to happen next week. But right now, if this sticks, like that's that's running back to utilization, even if you're not a very good running back. So we're obviously not going to grade him that high this week, but I'm going to put him in that RB4 territory. And if he does it again, we'll move him to RB3. If he does it again, then RB2 maybe for a week. And then we hopefully we get James Conner back. Yeah. Um, I know Ian Hardis <laughs> would like to have some James Conner back. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know how to trust this. They're kind of bouncing all over the place, but uh, it wasn't just a a game script thing either today. Like, I mean, they had him involved in all facets of the game. Ingram can confirm no injuries during this week. Can confirm he was active and can confirm he did not take a single <laughs> offensive snap. So I'm with you, Dwayne, you know, kind of similar to a situation we were just talking about. Oh, with um just uh, Daryl Henderson. Like, yes. Very encouraging, you know, for Daryl, very encouraging for uh, DiMercato in this one, but more of an RB3 this next week as we continue to see if it's going to be a stretch of good news or if it's just going to be, again, that one-time blip on the radar. You got anything else for uh, Arizona, Dwayne? Trey McBride did hurdle a guy, which, again, I just feel like shouting out. It's really cool every time I see Yeah, it, actually, I had, I had one other note, and it was on the tight ends. Uh, we've really come down to more of a committee, so Ertz is downgraded. Ertz was a guy and getting 80, 85% route participation early in the season, early old dude coming off the injury. I know. You just say, hey, throw him out there. hundred percent complicated that injury. <laughs> now they're reducing his role and they're giving more to McBride. Now Ertz is still slightly ahead, um, but 51% route participation for Trey McBride. So that's the second week in a row. We've seen that. So McBride gets an upgrade. Still really tough to use him right now for fantasy. The biggest thing is you just can't have Ertz anywhere near your lineups. We'll see if the trend continues, though, and that McBride, maybe McBride eventually takes over. They want to get a, a look at their second-year tight end um, out of Colorado State. 
three more. Appreciate you guys sticking with us here, especially all you in the live chat. Fellow grinders, fellow workhorses, love each and every one of you. Broncos took down the Packers 19 to 17, covering as one point favors the under dig cash at 44. Just a uh, pretty ugly game, Dwayne. Can we say that one? Like, again, had a, had the quad box on, the hardest household. I'll, you know, I'll take bad afternoon football. It's a hell of a lot better than no afternoon football. You hear me? But, man, just did not see all that much going on from either side. Quentin Sutton had a nice touchdown. Jerry Judy had a couple really nice routes out there. I'm looking forward to clipping those, you know, wide receiver, cornerback, ISO cams. Hopefully, uh, you know, I shouldn't say hopefully. If he wants to get traded to another team, so be it. But maybe it was him going out there trying to get some extra run put some extra you know good tape out there he did get injured at the end of the game so keep an eye on that not sure how serious but yeah broncos offense continuing to you know pass what was just an incredibly low bar to begin with and at this point russ 13 touchdowns in seven games he had 16 and 15 games all of last season so again i know it's still not a ton in denver i know we're still not getting any marvin mims or anything like that god forbid but again they are passing what was still a very low bar so dwayne I think the big note here is just another involvement with this backfield. It did seem like Jaleel McClellan, who, shout out, man, if Devin Achan was not a person, like we would see Jaleel at the top of every single efficiency measure that measures uh, how running backs do on the ground. So Jaleel, again, fantastic, you know, has been all season, but really saw Javante Williams take another step forward and got back to being the clear-cut RB1 here in this Denver offense. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty close to what we've seen for Javante. The game strip worked out nice for him. He had 15 rushing attempts. He had 60% of the carries. He's been right around the 50% mark, so he did see a slight bump today. To your point, uh, McLaughlin was still involved. He had 20% of the rushing attempts, so only five of them. Of course, uh, 40% of those went for 10-plus yards, like every time this dude touches the ball, to your point on the efficiency thing. sick. Yeah, so he's going to stay involved. That's the thing. He's playing too well to not involve him. So as much as I get excited about Javante looking better, I don't know that his role is going to change much because P. Ryan's still also getting the, a lot of the passing down work. P. Ryan was out there for 24% of the snaps today, 32% route participation, 42% for uh, Javante Williams. So I think the biggest thing you've got to bank on with Williams is he is starting to look better. Like he, he has, he is, he hadn't looked the same, but I thought this game was the closest we've seen to him looking like what we saw last year. So I know some of the research that I saw um, earlier this season and, and from our doctor community stuff that they've been posting, you know, throughout the season as well, kind of looking towards this week as being the spot, or maybe it's next week. I can't remember for sure where he should be like around 90%, like based on their data. So He's definitely moving along. He had the compensatory injury earlier. It looks like he's over that. So I think those are those are really positive things. But right now, all of these guys are, besides P. Ryan, like they're outscoring their utilization. So like their expected fantasy points are lower than what we're actually seeing from um, their roles. They're, they're out kicking the coverage, if you will. So I don't know. Like, can they continue to do that? Like Williams is going to need to look good. I have a feeling McLaughlin can because um, he's healthy. If Williams can stay healthy, continues progressing, maybe he ends up being fine. But I still look at really Javante Williams. I, I, I don't know, man. I think he's a borderline running back too right now because this game script worked out really good for them today where they were really leading um, you know, the Packers. So I, I think in other game script, you're still going to get these situations where you're hoping you're getting 11 or 12 touches out of Javante.
I'm just happy to see him looking like Javante. Me too, man. Because again, the whole knee thing, yes. But then when he suffered that quad injury, you know, it made him miss week five. It was like, oh my yeah. God, like now is this going to be another issue? Like, are we ever going to see the, you know, OG just tackle breaking maestro again? And he's been on display over these past two weeks, Dwayne. I mean, first three, three games of the year, I mean, he couldn't rush for over four yards per carry. 5.2 and 5.5 over the past two weeks and the missed tackles force and yards after contact numbers are every bit as wild as they were when he was a rookie and made the entire fantasy community fall in love with him in the first place. So, he's also getting targets when he's on the field. Yeah. So like his targets per route run for the season since it, uh, before this game was at 29%, which is like <laughs> bonkers. And then if you look at what he did, you know, in this game in specific, he had a 17% target share and his targets per route run. We're sitting right at 31%. So, I mean, when he's on the field, like he's definitely earning the targets. So that's all that is a plus for him as well. And that's what's honest. That's a big part of what's also helping him uh, continue to outscore what we would expect from him in his role. But to the other side of the coin, you know, do I expect Piran or McClellan to go anywhere? No, I don't. So that is going to lower the ceiling. And I get your point about maybe it will be tough to squeeze them in top 24 this week. You know, all 32 teams back and whatnot. So we will worry about that here in a few days. On the other side of the ball, another just disappointing performance from the Packers, even coming off the bye, even having, you know, healthier versions of Christian Watson and Aaron Jones entered halftime with a big goose egg on the board. And over the last four weeks, Dwayne, they have scored six total first half points so again nothing really coming easy in this green bay offense hilariously though did find a way to seize a lead in the fourth quarter they have you know been kind of the comeback kids here on a few occasions and hilariously so in this one jordan love threw what should have been a touchdown to romeo dobbs like hit him in the hands he dropped it deflected behind him where Jaden reed then came in to catch it so <laughs> Dwayne, while i you know celebrated early because i you know was texting you this morning about thinking we should start 2-2 ahead of Jaden reed uh, in a game Jaden didn't end up scoring, I think, one extra point than 2-2. So my assertion that a broke clock is right twice a day. No, apparently I was still broke on that one. So I think we're going to win the matchup anyway. But damn, good call on Jaden <laughs> by you. But again, man, just kind of sucks to see this uh, offense just continue to struggle and sadly continue to struggle with injuries. We did have Jaden Reed suffer a shin injury in return. Not so lucky with Christian Watson dealing with a knee injury and Luke Musgrave with an ankle injury. The rookie tight end was even seen in a walking boot. So Man, Dwayne, right when Watson, again, got the bye week, we saw him really get unleashed before the bye week, just can't get on the right side of these injury gods right now. Sucks. Yeah, and it was a problem for him last year, too. So, I mean, I know guys are injury prone until they're not, but it's definitely been a challenge so far for Watson in his career. The early stuff I saw out there, and again, like the docs you know, on Twitter, they will tell you better than me, but they'll all say, look, none of this is like, 100% conclusive, but by looking at the injury, looking at the video and the mechanism, there is a concern that's like might be an MCL kind of strain or sprain. Um, so we'll see what that, what grade it is, but that's probably going to mean a few weeks we're going to miss with Christian Watson. Now, maybe it's less than that. Maybe that's the wrong diagnosis. And I mean, like I said, the docs all tell you they don't know for sure, but based on what they've seen, based on what they've heard, that looks like that could be the deal. But that would be two to three weeks, man. So that would really stink to lose Watson for that. If you do, you know, Romeo Dobbs has played well. Yes. Um, and he's given us several games where he's had put up some really big target shares. So I think, you know, he'll get a short term upgrade if that happens with Watson. Obviously, Jaden Reed, if he's healthy uh, and the shin injury is not something that keeps him, you know, kind of dinged up more long term, like it's, it's, It'll be something where he's going to get more targets as well. Those guys have both played well. 
pretty nice seeing Jordan Love again put forward one of these performances that no wasn't great in real life, but the guy does know how to score fantasy points. I believe he's the QB 10 coming into this one, fantasy points per game, and he ended up with like 16 or so in this one. So they do get the Vikings next week, the Rams, the Steelers, and the Chargers after that. So not complete layups, but I do still think that Jordan Love, while it didn't look great, you know, in real life or just you know, regular eye test uh, here on Sunday, still going back to well with him as a recommended streamer here for some of these future by week matchups. Anything else in the Packers, Dwayne? We did have Aaron Jones back in there, which was nice to see, albeit the two games he has come back since week one. Very much so been more of like a one, not a 1B behind A.J. Dillon, but he hasn't been the featured running back in both. That has been more like a clear past. two. Yeah, I mean, he, he <laughs> has more targets injured. than him, but again, they're clearly not giving him the full-time role, which for our purposes is just all that matters, honestly. Yeah, I do think part of it, though, is just still they're easing him back from injury. Um, so I think once eight, once Aaron Jones is healthy, like A.J. Dillon hasn't looked good. <laughs> so I think you're going to see more Aaron Jones. But again, that's just speculation on my part. It was happening week one before the hamstring pull, you know, on the touchdown that he had, uh, the long touchdown. So we'll see what happens here. But I do think that Jones is clearly the more explosive player and he helps the Packers offense more. We just need him healthy. He was limited all week and then obviously yes. rode that questionable tag into yeah. Sunday. So we get those full practices. We get no injury designation. That's when I think we can be a little more confident that he'll be fully unleashed. Chiefs took down the Chargers 31 to 17. They covered as five and a half point favorites. The undercash just barely here at 48 and a half. Just Patrick Mahomes, man, 424 yards, four touchdowns. He was well over 300 by halftime. When I looked late Sunday night, like only Tua has more passing yards, and I don't even think he has more passing touchdowns. Like there's a bunch of them tied now at this point. How does he do this, Dwayne? I just like we, I we've never had more respect for how incredible Tyreek Hill is, and to lose that guy, to have Travis Kelsey playing through the pain. Obviously, just preoccupied with the woman who I'm name I'm not going to mention here because you've all heard her name enough times. She's great and everything. Don't get me wrong, but how does Patrick Mahomes do this, Dwayne? I just don't get it, man. It's incredible. I don't know. I don't know how he does it. It's amazing. Imagine like if he had Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill with Kelsey. Like, I mean, the guy would. What? How many yards would he throw for? Eight thousand. He's just there's, he's there's an amazing no player. And man, like he is the scrambling this year. How oh many third and like, longs did he get out there? It's ridiculous. And he gets it every time. He's it's like 04 Madden Mike Vick, but also with the Peyton Vision Cone. It's it's <laughs> unreal. The Peyton Vision Cone. Yes, I remember the Vision Cone. I remember that year. Um, yeah, he's playing great, man. Playing absolutely ridiculous. Some of these other receivers, they're starting to step up a little bit. Rasheed Rice, he had a season high. 67% route participation or sorry, 64% route participation today. Ian, we talked about last week, he had an 83% in that small sample where Justin Watson had left the game. And so we had Watson out obviously for this entire game. Um, and Miko Hardman is now uh, cut Kadarius. He's cut Kadarius Tony's uh, routes in half. So now those two guys are sharing that 30%. So that's really awesome. Um, we have 27 wide receivers. Uh, rotating and Patrick Mahomes somehow continues to do this. Like MVS had his one day where he shows up, you know, with a long <laughs> touchdown catch. He had three receptions for 84, but it's mostly just him and Kelsey, man. Kelsey on national tight end day, 33% target share, 179 receiving yards on 12 
freaking receptions. He had an awesome freaking touchdown where he caught it, yeah. you know, like three yards shy and he just pushed his way and the rest of the team pushed him into the end zone. You love to see that. So yeah, it's, you know, Kelsey and uh, Mahomes and everything else, you know, is back to Mahomes. Like all things come back to Mahomes. Somehow even left a little bit of meat on the bone. I mean, Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice, I don't think they would have been touchdowns, but they had a couple steps downfield. Mahomes rare misses on those ones. But again, how can you criticize the guy when he's putting up these numbers again with little else than just, you know, yeah, to be fair, one of the best tight ends the game has ever seen. Isaiah Pacheco, you know, did save himself with a nice little short receiving touchdown. And guess what? He has been getting those opportunities throughout this year. So he's going to continue to be set up really well. He's got another, uh, you know, Denver game coming up, I believe believe like Isaiah Pacheco still very much locked into that weekly RB one conversation on the other side of the ball. So couple sheeshes here. Keenan Allen was open for a nine-yard touchdown on a little cool fake screenplay. Sadly, Justin Herbert really did what Justin Herbert's been doing ever since he injured that left hand, man, and that is be inaccurate. If you look at him in weeks one through three, he was completing 78.5% of his passes. That is adjusted, so it includes drops and throwaways and things like that, but again, 78.5% over weeks one through three. Last three games, 62.8%. So, he has been throwing more downfield. You lose Mike Williams, that's going to matter. But man, Dwayne, like we saw it against the Cowboys and we saw it in this one. I mean, Justin Herbert, the guy that was leading all quarterbacks and fantasy points after three weeks and looking the part of, you know, the guy that we usually laud him to be this top five elite quarterback has not been that guy over the last two weeks. Yeah. And some of it is like, you're just going to get lulls, you know, in the season. We see it at every position. And I tend to think that's still the, what's happening here, but the inability of Quentin Johnston to step up and play that third wide receiver role, the way that Palmer was doing when it was really Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, I do think that is hurting them. And I, it looked like they really wanted to get Gerald Everett more involved early today than he suffered that injury earlier in the game. So he didn't get to play a ton. I don't know how much of that ended up being injury related. I know he had the quad, um, but like he had the touchdown right away. So I think he was about to be a bigger part. So just haven't had all the weapons, you know, available to him either. I I think you're still looking at a solid high end, you know, or mid range QB one because they're going to throw the ball all the time. Like it's going to be a pass heavy operation. And the fact that they have found ways, what I really do like this year with Keenan is they're working more into his route tree, like the double move stuff. We haven't seen that from Keenan in a while. It's, and you know, he missed, they missed two against the Cowboys that, you know, one of them was probably like you mentioned a long chunk play. The other one though was a touchdown. Definite touchdown. The sluggo was a touchdown. The out, the the out and up was probably like a thirty yard chunk play that they missed last week against the Cowboys. So I watched I watched that one on on replay this week and just kind of thought, whoo, God, Cowboys got lucky, <laughs> you know, on those plays. So I, I think you're still going to come up with big plays because they're doing some different things like that schematically that they hadn't been doing as much. And you just have Keenan Allen probably the healthiest we've seen him in a few years. So I think that's factoring in as well. And and I have to give Palmer credit. You know, I mean, he's just out there doing his thing. 92% route participation today in a 23% target share. Um, Targets per route run, still not crazy good, but as much as they throw the ball, I mean, it's 18.3. Where was this last year, man? That's my only thing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, he is a young player, so he's getting better. But but Quentin Johnston, man, golly, dude, 46% route participation in a game where they need him. They need more firepower, and this guy had a seven percent target share. I, I, I again, I'm like you. I don't want to like be like, oh my god, forever, Quentin Johnson, you stink. 
Um, and if you're playing in really deep leagues, you probably just got to hang on to him because he's in a pass first offense. He is a first round pick. Can't have him anywhere. I, I know it sucks, but he is one of these kind of players. You're going to let him go. And in three or four weeks, you know, there is a chance that you're like, oh my God, what did I do? Why did I let him go? But looking at it right now, he does not look good again. Like it's not just not earning the targets and things, but even when you watch, like he had one really good route today where I did see him immediately shake his defender and press coverage, but Herbert like wasn't even looking that way. Yeah. It's like Herbert was already looking, you know, to the opposite side of the field. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, I think you got to remain patient with QJ, but the vibes are really bad right now. Well, and you know, I don't know about you. I thought, yeah, we'd have the field stretching capability because he is this big and fast guy. But like the real big allure of him was what he could do after the catch. Mm -hmm. And just looking at this offense, like we didn't even need necessarily that. Okay, a field stretcher helps every offense. We get that. But Mike and Keenan, even Gerald Everett, like those guys can't get downfield. I thought QJ, if anything, gave them more of like an explosive yak guy that really other than Gerald Everett, they don't maybe have in spades. All due respect to Eckler and Keenan. These guys are dogs. They do everything well. But like Dwayne, when we're seeing something named Darius Davis, their fourth round pick, just constantly being the one getting schemed up, the cool reverses and you know the screen passes and stuff. Like, could we get a couple of those for Quentin Johnson? Like, just to help. Yeah, a just little get bit, him going, man? get his confidence going. I'm with you. I don't understand it. Like, like that's the part with me. Like, okay, I get it. Joshua Palmer, even if QJ himself told us that he apparently won that starting job back in July. Yeah, so much for that, man. But uh, like. I can wrap my mind around that, but when we're not even getting these design plays for QJ, they're going to Darius 1R freaking Davis, man. That's the part that uh, I struggle more with. So, yeah, certainly as hell can I feel good about Q starting QJ or even keeping him on the bench, to your point. But, yes, I would try, if at all possible, to keep him because, again, this is still a guy in the starting three wide receiver set in a Justin Herbert-led passing attack that should have better days down the road. Joshua Palmer right now, though, Dwayne, not saying in a full week he's going to be rock solid in that top 24, but man, oh man, it's getting tougher and tougher to keep him out of it. Yeah, I mean, he's a lock at the wide receiver three range. And yeah. like, like that's what his profile comes out at, but he's in a pass first offense. So he's going to give you these wide receiver two games. So I think you got to feel good about Josh Palmer right now. So I look, I, I didn't go after him heavily. Like I bid on him everywhere, but I mean, people were bidding half their fab and like it's looking like that's going to work out you know, for those people that did that. Joshua Kelly ripped off a long touchdown run. Cause when he's up with Eckler, I mean, he was a little banged up out there. Yeah. He does. Yeah. He doesn't look right doesn't right now. Look right. I, yeah. All I, all I saw was the red zone stuff with him, but yeah. he, he doesn't look like he's 100% right now. No, he doesn't. I was honestly, he got banged up on play. I almost I was like, I groaned because I thought he was going to miss some time and he kept playing through it. But yeah, he does not look all that good. Joshua Kelly looks great when he's the RB2 joint. Just God forbid he gets a chance at the full time role. Seriously, Can't dude. do anything with it. So back to that week one performance. My God. All right, guys, last one here. Sunday night football, the Eagles took down the Dolphins 31 to 17. Ended up being a fun game for, I'd say, the first 45, 50 minutes, but the Dolphins just really couldn't keep things close. Four for four or five for five on the tush pushes. I lost count. Miami could not stop the Eagles, and they were abusing that play as they should. No one can freaking stop it. Must be nice having those, you know, constant first and nine uh, set of downs there in uh, Philly. So covered as three point favorites. The over did not cash at 52 under faithful stand up. So, yeah, Dwayne, again, with Jalen Hurts and company, just another week of the passing game, I think looking far more like what we were expecting at the beginning of the year. Because, I mean, Jalen Hurts 
much, whether he was still playing through a few, you know, nicks and bruises or this or that, just again, wasn't really blowing me away in the first three, four weeks. They were undefeated, you know, and they're, they're still, you know, only one loss and everything. They weren't bad, but they just weren't looking like the same world beaters we saw. Now we got Jalen again doing his thing. AJ Brown, five straight games now with over 125 receiving yards. He found the end zone again. Also, that's a record, out. isn't it? Doesn't it, like, it is. Yeah. Unreal. I think uh, or Calvin Johnson is also done. I think that's it. It's him okay. and Megatron are the only guys to do it. So, yeah, not a not bad company right there. Dallas Goddard also found the end zone, caught all five of his targets for 77 yards and a touchdown. Really, Dwayne, the only question, because, I mean, DeAndre Swift went out there, did his thing again, found more ways to not completely tank your lineup again. We know kind of some of the shortcomings of this offense, but still certainly working well ahead of Kenneth Gamewell. Devonta Smith, are we just screaming by low? Because, I mean, man, last year we had the discrepancy, you know, over over the entire year in the playoffs and everything. And it was only like A.J. Brown, I think, had like six total more targets. It's a hell of a lot more than six right now, Dwayne. And uh, we should consider this as a new offense being called by Brian Johnson, not Shane Steichen anymore. I mean, look, I know Devontae's going to have better days. They were feeding him a lot earlier. But at a minimum, like, do you think this is far more of a wide receiver one, wide receiver two situation than we thought coming in? You know, it's funny. I, I do think he's still a buy low. Like, I'll just get yeah. that out of the way. I think Devonta Smith is still a really good player. A.J. Brown is just an elite player. Yeah. Um, so these sort of things can happen. And then Dallas Goddard is good as a tight end. So you've got a crowded offense that can run the ball well also. So there's just there's a lot of there's quality to go around, but the volume can be challenging. A.J. Brown had 15 targets today. <laughs> 15 targets and you had five for Devonta Smith. So I think Devonta Smith just needs to, you know, complain and moan like on the sideline, <laughs> you know, pitch a fit that he's not getting the ball. But it, the, the tough part is like Brown gets more of the design stuff on top of the looks he's earning because he is really good. Ian after the catch. Oh yeah. Last year, I don't think a lot of people knew this, but like for throws at the line of scrimmage, Devonta Smith, was one of the league leaders and that's what he's not getting this year. They're giving that stuff to AJ Brown. And so now AJ Brown is getting everything he's earning and he's getting this schemed up stuff that last year was really helping out Devonta Smith. So I would tend to think that some of that would eventually be schemed back to Devonta Smith. And who knows, it may be based on a look at the line of scrimmage where there's an option to give both of the guys some yeah. similar kind of look like that. I don't, I haven't watched every single play, you know, for the Eagles offense. Honestly, it's one of the teams that I watch. I, this sounds bad that I watch the least when I go back and watch film. Cause I kind of, I know everything. I know what this offense is basically. Like I know who the players are. I know they're all really good players. We're going to rank them highly. So, you know, I don't know if you do that, but like when there's guys, I, I watch more of the guys I have questions about, but now I think I have enough questions around Devonta. I'm going to have to go back and watch this week and just be like, <laughs> okay, what's happening here. But we know he's a talented player. But I remember this preseason when I did the projection stuff and I put out a tweet and there were like five guys I named where their ADP was the furthest off. And because I regressed him for that behind the line of scrimmage and at the line of scrimmage passing stuff, because that's not always sticky year over year, especially yeah. if you've got another good receiver that can earn those targets. So in his projection, I took some of that stuff away and I remember being like, hey, the biggest discrepancy between projection for the guys going in the first three to four rounds with their points and where they're going, Devonta Smith was one of the names. Um, so it's it's that stuff's kind of playing out right now. I do think eventually some of that evens out, so he's going to be fine as a buy low. 
but he may not get back to his heights we had last year. He ran really pure last season. Yeah. He's a good player, but he ran pure. I think that about covers it on the Philly side of things. Over in Miami, could have been an even bigger day for Tyree Kill. Still caught 11 balls for 88 yards and a touchdown, but he had a 12-yard touchdown nullified on a reasonable hold, but still just sucks to see. And then he dropped one where, again, not a guarantee touchdown. He would have had to make a guy miss, but if he does his usual Tyree greatness, would have been a 21-yard score on a completely separate drive. So otherwise, great stuff from Tyreek. I would know on Tua's one interception. Looked like it was a mix-up from Jalen Waddle where basically Raheem Mostert did look like he was open in the corner of the end zone, but Waddle ran his route too close to Mostert. Big play, Darius Slay came over and made the play. So we know we're getting in this passing game, and I think everything Dwayne just said about Jalen, about Devontae Smith also applies to Jalen Waddle, especially if he's going to get over this back issue that was messing him up today. So again, that's kind of Dolphins passing game. The big news, Dwayne, was the insertion of Jeff Wilson back into this running back committee. Really wasn't all that involved. He was working behind, you know, our guy Salvin Ahmed in addition to Raheem Mostert. I will say this might just be the way the Dolphins do things because when you look at Devin Achan this year, like week one, he was technically a healthy scratch. Like he was not given an injury designation despite practicing in like a limited fashion. And then week two, they brought him in. They only gave him two touches. And then the rest was freaking history for those incredible three weeks out there. So with Jeff Wilson, again, last week he was listed as doubtful. Not the same thing as a healthy scratch i get that but they didn't rush him back then they brought him in they eased him in do you think Dwayne, we see next week far more of a two-back committee between moster and wilson or is Ahmed going to make this a little more complicated than we prefer i think it will eventually go back to moster and wilson but i mean you know we can't make any we can't make any sort of guarantees or anything on True. it that's just the way this stuff goes so swear to I, me on your life and your <laughs> firstborn son <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just like Mostert, like he's human. I feel like it's like the, uh, you know, when Rocky's fighting Drago and he goes back to his corner, he's like, he's not a machine, you know, like, <laughs> he plays like you and a machine. Yeah, like, so 6.1 fantasy points today. Uh, that Eagles defensive line, man, wow, really coming through tonight with the pass rush as well as what they did against the run game for the Dolphins. So major hat tip to them. I do think better days ahead for Jeff Wilson, but going to be hard to really project him, you know, into that Ian until we see it. I, I think we probably looking at him as like an RB four right now on a full slate next weekend. I, I don't think I'll be able to have Jeff Wilson higher than that. Now he could, he could outperform that. He definitely has some upside, but after this, I, I think it would be a stretch to, to call him more than that. I tend to agree. Again, don't move him anywhere. We know how quickly these things can change in Miami, but yeah. that does seem to be the way it is in the near term. And then HM, man, he has now gone two of those four games on IR. And from what we've heard, again, not expected to be an overly long injury. So they get the Patriots next week, the Chiefs after that, and then there's a week 10 bye. So fingers crossed, Dwayne, that we could get HM back for week 11 down the road, help win those fantasy championships. Anything else in this one for you? No, man, that's it. The only other thing I'll say real quickly on Waddle is, you know, he had the injury in the game that kept him out some. He was only out there for 44% of the dropbacks. So he had a 19% target share, but we've seen this trend for him over the last three games where he had finally been over that oblique injury. But he had a 38% targets per route run today. So he like he's like, Jalen Waddle is so due. Like he is yeah. due for a massive freaking blow up game. Like the underlying data points are not as strong for Devonta Smith over the last several weeks. Like Jalen Waddle, like it's there. 
Um, he just needed, he just needs to stay healthy. There's, he's got a big time wide receiver one performance, like just bubbling, waiting to come to the surface. And with that, everyone going to wrap up our week seven recap edition. Dwayne, I thought we'd be getting out of here early. It was only 11 games, but you know what? We had shit to say. So here we are two hours and nine minutes later. Always a pleasure. My dear friend, Dwayne, anything else you want to get off your chest? And you know, it's just kudos to you that, at, you know, 1240 central time, your hair can still look this good. <laughs> i'm just happy to be awake like getting up you know we start our, we start people probably don't we start our sundays early you Dwayne, know? I, I i just set an alarm at 4 45 a.m today to get back from Tampa oh my Bay. god yeah you were up before me today though i feel yeah. alive oh. baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah mine didn't go off till six central so you had already been up a good bit before oh, i got man. up um but yeah it's uh you know it's it's always fun coming on and doing these shows with you so i appreciate you as well and um you know like the hair i haven't yeah, it's holding up, I guess. It's kind of flat. You know, it's a little flat. It's got a little extra room. Got to get some volume going here, Ian. But, uh, man, just a reminder of the folks, like, we will have all the utilization stuff up tomorrow. I'll be writing the article. Ian will be working on Sheesh. Those things will hit Tuesday morning. But the tools, they are up and refreshed tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. So be sure to go check that out. I know Dwayne and our markets covered a lot on the uh, utilization report pod, which you can catch me on for the beginning, going over the sheesh and some of the big news. But truly, guys, I mean, the tools we have just like they blow my mind sometimes, like just even our waiver hub. I know we don't explicitly have, you know, a full podcast only on waiver wire. Kendall does some great shorts. Dwayne and Marcus yeah. talk about it, too. But seriously, our waiver wire tool, like just actually giving you fab recommendations, being straight up. This is our ad of the week. This is our stash of the week. This is, you know, where there's a tear break, you know, the actual stars of it for my money's worth you know and guess what there is no money anyway so there's no money worth with it but i do consider it to be one of the best tools out there and just really freaking convenient for what we're trying to do and at the end of the day that is when those fancy championships so appreciate you guys tuning with us as always and i'm ian thanks again until next time take care everybody